morning and welcome to Elosa Fumar Takes. This is our 280th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. I'm so excited to have this gentleman back after a long absence. The absence is on me, but it's so good to have him back in, in a seat in front of me. We're going to be smoking some great cigars tonight, just drinking some tequila, shooting the shit and talking all things new with his company. And we'll be doing that in just a few moments. Before we get to formal introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. The Freestyle Live Pack is back, baby. You guys got to get a hold yourself of this one. It is fantastic. The event pack, uh, sometimes called mystery packs, offer a unique pre-launch experience for consumers who wish to dip deeply engaged in each of Drew Estate's new product releases. The exclusive packs introduced during the Freestyle Live Special Edition broadcast held on Thursday uh, a couple weeks ago, January 18th, have an MSRP value of 40 bucks, but are actually worth way more. Each pack contains three mystery premium cigars without brand identification, a sleek Freestyle Live high-quantity torch lighter, a cigar cutter, of course, and a Freestyle Live leather strap keychain. In addition to these premiums items, each event pack includes a Freestyle Live badge equipped with a unique QR code that allows purchasers to enter a sweepstakes for a chance to win extraordinary prizes. These prizes are nothing to sneeze at, guys. They, they, nothing, nothing to sneer at, guys. Like I'm talking about, they've given out motorcycles, vacations. Oh, my God. But the grand prize this time, get a load of this, guys, is a luxury custom pool table valued at $11,500. The first prize is a laptop valued at 4000 600 additionally 10 a luxury entrance will also win a subculture studios ashtray worth about 150 bucks a piece so good prizes fantastic fun and you get to sample something before it's actually out to market so check it out at your drew diplomat retailer today and get yourself the latest freestyle life pack from drew estate and welcome everybody back this is our 280th take yes count it up 280 of these i've done them 280 times and we're going to get things kicked off with, with tonight's guest tonight's guest is always sponsored by united cigar smoke one today and start living united mr mike rosales of romacraft to mac mike how you doing tonight that's a great intro man well done thank you well thank done you so much i think it was, it was the sip uh, of tequila look. right before it just like it just it just made me feel at ease it was good it was i good saw stuff. i saw i saw the whole facial expression change you kind of loosened up you're ready to go yeah and, Excuse my language. You just it's dip go, into it. So, yeah, it's yeah. go. It's go time, man. No, I, I, I have a cup of coffee. I've got one here too. Uh, and uh, you know, like I think last week, I think I was, I was pretty, I was pretty exhausted. And I, I, I you know, I had Terrence on, and I was like, uh, I had a cup of coffee, and I was ready to go. And I took a couple sips, and I was like, all right, man, it's go time. And he's like, all right, man. Well, he's like, no worries. And I was like, no, I got this. It's cool. And then I go, you know, it's cool. you go into show mode, man. And you just, you just. It, and it just became a great conversation. I love talking to him, and I'm I'm so excited to talk to you tonight. Welcome back, Mike. It's been way too long since oh. I've had you on. Thank you so much for for blessing us well, got, with an appearance tonight. Anytime, you know, I'm always available. Uh, secondly, was Terrence down in Nicaragua still? No, no, he like flew back. Like I want to say eight hours okay. earlier. Like I mean, the guy was okay. he agreed to do the show. I couldn't believe it. I didn't realize he was going to be back that last minute. It was nice. We were we were we were together. Um, it was me, him, Dave Lafferty. We were having, we just finished dinner. We were at the, uh, Nicaraguan tobacco festival at the, uh, Oliva. Maybe that was Friday, Saturday night, but okay. So anyways, the, um, so that, yeah, so I saw him and then he must've just headed off to Managua and then flew out. Cause it was, it was like just, just last weekend. So, um, anyways, so, um, the last time I was on the show, believe it or not, uh was the uh snowmageddon so we we had our taping mm -hmm. uh 
and I was at the office mm-hmm. and it started kind of raining and sleeting and then it snowed or it froze and then it snowed and then it froze again and then snowed. And then we went without power for like five or six days. But that, that night when I left the office was like the beginning of snowmageddon in yeah. Texas. I remember and, that. Uh, man. That was nuts. That's yeah. crazy. That was, that was wild. Yeah. So we didn't have any power. Um, we were basically thank God that we had just kind of gone through COVID. So it wasn't like completely, um, we just kind of camped out in the house and, you know, I'd charged everything up electronically that I could. And, um, the power rotated off and on for a couple of days and the water went out and oh, then, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah you guys we, were on a boil. You guys were on a boil. Yeah. We were on a boil watch. watch. Yeah. So the, uh, anyway, so yeah, that was one. That was the last time I was on the show. I, that was, uh, but 2021 2020 yeah 2020 yeah, so 2021 i think yeah man it was yeah nice. it was like like january 2021 that's it yeah that's so it. good to be back it's been a while so yeah, for uh, sure the, well, um, we were talking about a little bit about collections going into in the green room is kind of leading into the show before i did the countdown we're going to get back to it because i thought there was there was an interesting point that i kind of wanted to connect even romacraft to as well because you'd said something but before that, we got to get to some business, man. So I, I, I've started a new tradition here, uh, Mike, on the show. It's been going on uh, uh, for for about a couple, a couple of years since I guess the last time you were on. But um, so I, I I allow my guests to pick the cigar that I'm smoking tonight. So I've got some great choices for you. Now there, I will tell you, I'm a, the the last one is a is the kind of the piece de resistance. But I got some good selections here. It doesn't matter what I have here. It's the choice is yours. And I'm excited to to smoke a cigar with you. So uh, let's start off with one of my favorites and one of your favorites, both from the uh, Cro-Magnon Aquitaine family. I've got your your favorite size. I got the Anthropology and the Mastodon. Okay, as a selection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got the Baca Bantu. Ooh, yeah. Okay. okay. Got a and I'm and I'm not as familiar on the sizes here, but I believe it's a it looks like a five by a five by fifty. So brother Berubisto of the Wonderlust. Oof. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're uh, leveling up here. Yep. I got some Neanderthals here too. I've got the uh, UXD uh, and then the JCF. Man, I would say okay. Hold on. No wait. That's more? it. Oh. Did, yeah. One. One last. This is it. This is the piece de resistance from straight from 2022. I have a sealed box of craft. I have not cracked. You open know. Yet. Oh man. That. Well, here's the thing. Like, once you crack that open, there's multiple opportunities and options in yeah, that absolutely, one. absolutely right. So, so, so you expand, you expand it into another five or six different unique, unique cigars the world, in, man. in that one. Hold the okay, world, yeah. so, so, um, oh man, I would say, um, I would say the, uh, the. Have you had the Wonderlust yet? Have you had yeah. it? Yeah, oh, I've, I've had every, okay. I've had everything, and I've even had. An entire box of twenty-two. Of this is this is this is this is the third box that I had purchased. Third so. box. Okay. Well, then, um, you know what? Go ahead and smoke the craft twenty-two, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have you pick one. I'm gonna. There's one that okay. I want you to pick out. It's it's because uh, I posted a picture the other day as a hint hint uh, something something. So to the to the to the guys in the factory, mm-hmm. um, mainly Skip and and Alex down there. So it looks like. Um, we go get that box up there one more time. Yeah, Craft Twenty Two. The so it's mostly um, it's got a little bit of striping of candela, and it has um, kind of the foot is Connecticut. 
And uh, so I put a post up the other day that I wonder what this would taste like with uh, with the Pennsylvania broadleaf. So I don't okay. know if you can you see. Let me see. Striping of striping of candela. Yeah. Yep, that's it. I got it. Right there. Yep, yeah. I got so it. If, if we if we will it, maybe it will come true. You know, we put that out there in the in the uh, in the universe. So it was, it was destined. It's destined to happen. Perfect, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Let's do it, man. I, I, I love, I've always loved, I've always loved the boxes that you guys have constructed. They've always been some of my favorites. Um, I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, are they, are they all the same size? Like, are they all, are they all the same? I don't even know how to word this correctly. Like, are the boxes all the same thickness? Because I feel like they are, or they're, or they're fairly consistent. They, well, they yeah, consistent. I mean, I would say that there's a, um, you, you, you know, with uh, Skip's OCD, and um, I would say there's <laughs> probably a a um, a center. You know, there's a thickness. I mean, proportionate to to uh, um, to each size. Because, like for example, like I know, like the Atlato box, for example, like it's got thinner sides, even though it has like a, a very stout, same kind of heavy. Uh, structured kind of kind of feel to it uh, but it's not it would not be the same now if i went back and looked at the craft boxes i bet there's a very symmetrical kind of feel to evenness to to each one of them even though they're not necessarily the same length and sizes but um i remember the one with the I'll, metal sleeve i can't remember what year that yeah. was but I remember the metal sleeve the yes. first one 2018 yeah the, the first one with the trumpets still have a box of those Oh, wow. uh, trumpettas yeah. or whatever. I'm sure Skip has a different name for it, so I don't mean to. Yeah, no, it's fine. Step up. Well, there was there was a there was some variations in the two. The one that was final, there was uh, some kind of after the initial kind of flow, the trumpettas kind of came out and they didn't have the 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 covered up foot, and um, you, you know, so um, yeah, you, you know, it's it's kind of going back to that. It, it's what's crazy is is um that year we came out with the the la campanas and, and um then witchcraft and we had done the femur and um you know that was that was a huge like i mean there was already a lot of buzz for us and our brand um kind of taking off you know kind of coming out of 2012 and then going into 2013 and then there was like this next level kind of jump in 2013 um like people who didn't even know what roman craft what you know was was and they're talking about the La Campana. They couldn't call it La Campana, but you know the trumpet. You know the trumpet. You know. Yeah, the trumpet. Yeah. Um, and then and then the uh, the femur dropped, and then that was just like a next level, um, you know, holy holy moly kind of moment. You know, so it's been really it's been fun. You know, it's it's you you know each it's like your kids, right? Like there's these different uh, phases of of uh, like when when you get a newborn, you know, and what they you know they're 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 kind of you're holding them and they're swaddled up a little bitty and then they start to smile and they start to, you know, coo. And then, you know, about three months, you know, then they're, they're kind of engaging and then, you know, starting to move a little bit, you know, like there's like these little incremental kind of yeah, phases stages, and changes that yeah. happen. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, you know, kind of when you reflect back on the brand, you know, it's, it's been like these, um, you know, also, you know, I think we went from being back behind Esteban's house to opening up the factory, um, which was, which was a huge, uh, you know, kind of momentum kind of shift. And then 2015, we opened up the headquarters in Austin. 
which was another, you know, big step in what we were doing and, um, you know, and, and kind of getting the build out of that done. And that was probably about a year and a half, two years, two and a half years before it was kind of finally complete with the bar and, and everything else. I mean, structurally and functionality wise, it was kind of done pretty early on, but there was just these, uh, these moments, um, you know, and then you kind of, you, you know, you get to 2018, you do the, you know, the crash 2018 with the sleeve and they were numbered and they were individually kind of done and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of uh, taking it to a whole new level. And that, that was probably like, um, you know, the, the apex, you know, the peak as far as, you know, um, every cigar shop, you know, was trying to, you know, open up an account and trying to get on board and, um, you know, which is, which is great. Right. You know, and, and the challenge, the challenge with, with this kind of slow, steady, methodical kind of growth is you're still, you're looking for partners, you know, and that's, that's kind of at the end of the day, like you, you think back about like Michael's, you know, at Eula's, you know, you spent a lot of time there and that's, yeah. that's where we, you know, you know, um, you know, where it all Tracy started. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. Tracy and Jason and um, you know, the whole, the whole group, right. Like it was just everybody, everyone knew for the most part, 80% of the, of the, of the consumers that would come into the door, like by name, what they smoked, what they had smoked, what they had tried. And then you had, you know, so the 20% that was like, let's come and go, go grab and go kind of thing. And, and you guys would do your store picks and you guys would rotate around. Humidor wasn't really that big, but it had a lot of product and a lot of different yeah. selection and variation in it. Right. Um, but you, you look at, at uh, how well that, you know, and not to say that, that Brandon's not doing a great job. I think he's doing an excellent job. But that that staff was so unique because you had these guys that just loved tobacco, loved cigars, loved learning, loved, you know, smoking cigars, loved the the culture and and the consumers that were kind of that were cultivated along that, um, you know, kind of grew in the same kind of way. Right. Like they, sure. you know, they wanted they wanted to buy into what, you know, what this kind of this click and this culture had created. Right. And so. um and and that was fun right so but not every cigar shop has that yeah and not every you know um and 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 if they did post covid there was this shift because you know um you had furloughs you had people kind of coming and going and sh- and and staff kind of shrunk you had you know owners kind of getting in and doing kind of more of the sales perspective um but also kind of what happened was you know you had this this um you know, you know, the, the cigar fail stimulated, right. And all of a sudden it's like more people outside of the normal kind of cigar group were starting to, to enjoy and smoke cigars because they had more free time and whatever. Um, but then kind of post, you know, end of, end of uh, coming out of COVID into the year going into 2021, you have this, uh, this, this um, cash and go kind of mentality. So guys were just going to the humidor without really any help. And then just kind of scoop up the, the brands that they know and that they're kind of accustomed to come to the register, check out, and then kind of leave. And, and, you know, you had, you know, um, all the people that you had at this one time that were developing this culture who are now doing other things. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, exactly. so you, so, so, so if you took, you know, just that one store, but then you multiplied it, you know, across, you know, 2,500, 3,000 different retail shops across the United States, you had more of that happening. And then, you know, and then it kind of came into more of this uh, self-service bar side experience, um, 
where it's where it's uh it's it's um you know it's you know let me sell you a cocktail let me sell you a whatever if you're going to come in and you know smoke a cigar too let me sell you a you know 30 40 dollar cocktail while you smoke a, a 20 dollar cigar you know and so you've just kind of seen this evolution and change and so how does that kind of tie back to, to Roma is, is you know we had really done a really good job of kind of picking out shops that were you know like yours or renegades or um you know guys that that uh you know again kind of had that that um that click you know what i mean that cigar yeah. click and the cigar culture right they kind of fit in with what we were trying to do as as far as uh you know i mean let's face it i mean there's there's a lot of people uh, a lot of a lot of brands that are out there and there's a lot of people smoking cigars um you know but that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone knows what Roma Craft is or what Tatuaje is or what, you know, Foundation is or even, you know, even Aganorsa, right? Like as much as as a, as a big company that they are, um, you know, I mean, now if you said, hey, you know, JFR, I'm sure a lot of people know JFR, right? But yeah, they a lot of people smoke Aganorsa, just don't know what it is. Yeah, they don't, no. right. Yeah. And so, so, yeah. And so, you know, um, I mean, if you said, hey, remember the femur or you remember Cro-Magnon or you remember whatever, it's like, oh, I remember seeing that. I remember hearing about that, but I wouldn't connect two and two together as far as, oh, that's from a craft. And this is kind of the intemperance brand. You know, everyone knows Cro-Magnon. You know, a lot of people smoke Neanderthal, right? But do they associate the intemperance brands with Roma Craft as far as being collectively underneath the same umbrella, right? As one of the brands that we that we make, yeah, right? I think so, that's where the culture that comes in and stuff, because like that was that was part of the journey. You know, because I remember having that same discussion, like I'd be back before and I always say that, like, you know, I was selling Robocraft before you guys had labels on the on the Aquatane and the Cro-Magnon. So, like, um, like that's how long I go back to it. And that was always the correlation because we had intemperance right above it. So I could talk to them like, hey, you like this, then you like this or like, you know, back and forth sure. and talk about the, 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 the correlation there and stuff. So, like, but again, if 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 the you know, insert version of me across the shops isn't there to explain that there, you know, that's that, that, you know, for the new smoker who, who isn't, is indoctrinated as, you know, everybody before that. Yeah. I could see where that, that could be uh but troublesome and stuff, but I think you bring up a good point. Like, and, I, and like you said, you gave some shout outs to, to Brandon there. I think that was Brandon's a, is a holdover from the, the old team, I guess, as you, as you kind of mentioned, and it's really see, it's really great to see him, what he's doing over there at Michael's. And I yeah. think, uh, you know, even I mean, that's it. We got we got to shout him out for his baby. They just had their baby. Congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. fantastic, so, man. Yeah, I'm so sweet. Yeah, so excited for him and Kelly. That's good stuff. But, yeah. um, but I I wanted to go back to and, and I think this kind of this can kind of correlate a little bit. We were talking a little bit about collections before we get into tonight's to tonight's major point and everything. But we're getting into collections, and this is a little short digression to get to the point I was going to make about cigars and the market today. But um, you you uh, I mean. When we first when we first became friends years ago, Mike, you and I were both into beer, yeah, uh, quite a bit. Um, I don't drink it very much anymore. I know you don't either. But then it became bourbon for both of us too. But now I recently found out, like just just a few moments ago before the show started, you you've been off the bourbon too, man. So, uh, what are you well, going to do know, with that amazing collection? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna force feed it to people as they come in and 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 visit. I mean, I think sounds um, terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, well. I've always said that it, whether it's beer, whether it's spirits or, 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 you know, any kind of bourbon or, you know, even coffee, right? Like that's kind of, you know, that's been my new kind of thing over the you know, last couple of years is really, and that's kind of helped me with, um, so, so first I'll start off with, um, you know, for whatever reason, when I drink a beer or two, 
like I'm gaining 10 pounds. Like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I just, for some reason, it just, it just, it, I, you know, I see guys that drink beer all day long and they're, you know, as skinny as I'll get out for some reason. Like if I drink a beer, like it just, and so that was one of the things that I kind of cut out. Right. When I was trying to, you know, kind of come down in, in the, in weight. And um, then I found bourbon and I really, I really liked, uh, and that was all pre COVID. Uh, what's really funny um, throughout. So I did in 2015, I was in Jersey and uh, um, one of the shops out there, uh, uh, Berkeley had a vertical of pappies. And I didn't even know what Pappy's was back then, right? And he's like, yeah, I got, you know, they, apparently he had, you know, down underneath, uh, he was like, I love wine, but I have, I buy everything that they send me. And um, this is the same guy that helped Bill Ives out and wine can sell. And so, right. um, and, and uh, but this is way before that even happened, right? So he had a, he he built like a barn and he's like, hey, if we do this event, you come out, we'll, we'll have a ticketed event. We want to do like a launching of this uh of our of our kind of the smoke room that we're doing and um really cool kind of concept he's like i'm gonna throw in a bunch of you know we'll do a we'll do a bourbon kind of pairing and and so anyways I, so you scroll back to your pictures and you know it's like you know there was 15 and 23 lot b you know so i mean he just had like you know and whenever i left he handed me a uh 2015 george t stag bottle you know i mean he was just giving bottles away he's like i can't sell it can't give it away you know, but I buy it, you know, whatever. Right. And, um, he gave me, a uh, he, so we had opened up a bottle of, uh, four grain EH Taylor, um, you know, back in the day. I mean, the, the, the point of that is to say is like at, at one point in time, just like with everything, you couldn't give bourbon away. And, and, you know, and I look back through some of my pictures and some of the bourbons that I've gotten to, to share that, you know, I had no business drinking, Cause I didn't, I couldn't, you know, I didn't appreciate it. I was probably like, Oh my God, it's so hot. It's killing me. You know I mean? Like, Oh, you know, or, or you know, oh, that burn. can I get some, can I, yeah. Can I get some, can I get some water, you know, or whatever. Right. I probably asked for some ice cubes and embarrassed myself. I mean, I didn't know. Right. So, um, but you know, now if I was to go back and go, Hey man, you got some of that four grain and be like, nah, dude, I'm gonna sell that shit for a thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's just, it's, uh, it's funny how it, it just changed. And so mm -hmm. you just cracked open a box of, of craft 2022, you know, do you do we see the appreciation in boxes of uh, you know I, I don't remember how many we did of that box but let's say it's you know twelve hundred or a thousand you know two thousand yeah. but you know would 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 somebody come around and offer you a couple thousand dollars for that box you know even though it's been sold out for you know two or three years now I don't know didn't didn't think about it I was gonna smoke it no 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 I'm so. just saying like like yeah. we were talking about like you know I don't. I mean, I think that there are some cigars that, that, uh, I mean, obviously I think Fuente's done a really good job. People pay a lot of money for, you know, uh, I saw a website selling, you know, rare pinks, individual cigars for like $95 a cigar, um, you know, on their website. I've seen, you know, so maybe, maybe the, you know, maybe there's some Tatuaje stuff out there that's floating around, but, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I know that there are people who, who will track down our stuff. I just don't know if it, if it, if it, uh, and maybe I'm naive to it because uh, I don't really pay attention that closely to like what the secondary market is for, for certain boxes. Like meaning you ask me what I'm going to do with a, with a rare bottle. Someone comes in, I'm going to crack it open and we're going to try it. Yeah. Right. Nice. No, no questions asked, no second thoughts, no, whatever it is, what it is. I bought it. Even if I paid over, over, you know, uh, or I traded something for it or whatever, it's, it's fair game. I mean, I think I got like one bottle. It's an OFC bottle. It's a 25 year bottle that, that will stay up and, um 
but that's kind of off limits, but everything else for the most part, um, you know, that, but that's the fun part of the experience is getting to share that bottle with somebody who's like, Oh man, I've never seen that. Or I've always wanted to try that. Right. And I have it. Then, 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 you know, I absolutely want to, want to crack it open and, and pour a glass and just kind of have that, that moment with that person. I think that's the coolest part about the bottle shares. Oh, even absolutely. in beer. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think that the special part of bourbon, too, like we were talking about Eagle Rare before the show started and like how, you know, at you know when we started drinking bourbon, that was a $40 bottle. And, you know, that was like that was like, man, this is a good deal. This is great. This is this is now you can't get it for you get it for 70. It's like that's that's obnoxious. And so there's a lot of people who, who are starting into that bourbon journey. Who are like, oh, Eagle Rare, that sounds, that looks and sounds really good. I've got good things about it, but they can't afford it. And then you happen to have a couple of, like, you have a case or a couple of bottles that you've been laying around for a while. And you're like, to you, it's still a $40 bottle. And it's just like, well, heck yeah, man, let's crack this open. And and it is special, whether it's something rare or something not. But you said something interesting to me, too, that I thought was in, was kind of, I wanted to pair back to my selling days and the way, like, the way, where Roma Craft was in the the market at the time, and and actually to point of fact, still is, despite what prices have done, and everyone's had price increases, and that's my point. So I, I don't want this to be taken out of context too much, but like when back when I started selling Cro-Magnon, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike, but I remember the I felt like the MSRP was like either eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine for the cranium, and now it's eleven ninety nine or whatever it is, right? Yeah, and at the time. At the time, it was really great for like the people who were like, "I want Liga Pravada number nine, but I don't want to spend fifteen dollars on a cigar." Now that seems kind of funny, right? Like, I want to spend fifteen dollars. Like, you're not gonna, you're not yeah. gonna be smoking much. But at the time, it was like, okay, well, here's 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 something you haven't heard of. Here's an alternative, and and it was a great for for me. I, you know, my, my own my own personal opinions of Liga Pravada aside, like for me, I thought it was a obviously a different profile cigar, different flavors, similarities in tobaccos, but it was a great, it was a great way to pivot, bring, bring awareness to the brands that we were just talking about. And then, and then also help out the customer too. So it was really win-win. And then, but that correlation still exists. Cause now like Liga Pravadas are in the higher, almost hitting the twenties, even yeah. with y'all's price increase. Yeah. So it's the same, yeah. the sure. numbers are different, but it's the same, it's the same distinction. Sure. So like, like, to our point about how the evolution of the new smokers coming into the, the humidor, they can still that 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 comparison still exists, which is nice. Yeah. So I mean, so you know, I, I look at it like um so you look at like Russell's reserve number 10, right? It's a 10 year bourbon, probably 40, 45 dollars. It's available. It, it's a you know, it's it's made by um the brown foreman. I don't know, somebody can yeah. correct me. Um I got, it, you know, I got a bottle it, of the rye right here, so there you go. Yeah. So it, it it's steady, right? Sub $50, you know, bottle, um, you know, and, and I think that that's, um, you know, but, you know, at the, at the end of it, you know, when it, when it comes down to, if somebody says, man, I can't afford um, getting into a hobby or a culture, then, you know, it, and, and I, I guess there's some age that has to kind of, you know, like if my 18 year old son or 21 year old son, you know, he's not 18 yet. He's, he's about to be 18, but let's in theory, 21 now is the, the legal age. If he said, I couldn't afford to smoke a cigar or drink beer or bourbon, then I'd be like, you know, good, you know, cause you're not, 
you know, from, from a parent perspective, <laughs> right? But I mean, the, but, but, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, since you still the, have my if, credit card, it's probably that's a good yeah, call. That's a good yeah. call. It, it, it's uh, but you know, I mean, if if um, you still you want to grow, you still want people to feel like they're welcome, right? And I and I think like you know, people poop all over, you know, Fat Bottom Betty and um, and some of the flavor stuff, you know, uh, Moon Trance and other things. But I think on one hand, if it if it allows someone, to, if there's an entry point that allows people to kind of get in. And they say, you know what, that wasn't too bad. You know, what's the next step? And they go to their tobacconist and say, you know, well, I had this, you know, what's the next progression, right? It's like, same thing with beer. Like, so you start off with a, with a light beer or, you know, a uh, uh, blue moon with a, with a big old orange, right? You know, it's, it's uh, whatever. And it's okay. Now I want to progress over to, uh, you know, what's the next, you know, you're not going to jump from that to an Imperial stout. You know, you might go to a lager, you might go to, you know, uh, you know, some, some kind of progression point before you're like, Hey, let me, let me get that, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what the, uh, old Rasputin or something like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you're just not going to make that kind of jump, you know, old, you, grand, you old know. granddad to, to Pappy. Yeah. It's just not happening. Yeah. yeah you, you know, it's just not, um, but you want, you want it to be welcoming. You want it to be available. You want it to, because at the end of the day, I mean, on the other side of that, there are people who, you know, stop enjoying the culture or stop coming into lounges and stop coming into the liquor stores or stop coming into. And so you've got to be able to feed, you know, and grow um, and take someone on that journey and say, okay, Hey man, you know, so um, this is, this pairs really well with that. Um, right. This is, this is the, this is the evolution of your progression to get you into, you know, and then what comes with that is like, man, now you're going to need to get a cigar box. You know, you got a little travel humidor. You're going to need a cutter and a lighter. You know, you can't keep, you know, mooching the, you know, you can't keep walking off with the lounge's lighters. You know what I mean? Like you're going to need to get your, your own lighter. Um, you know, um, and, you know, and so that's. Chain those suckers down, man. That's the only solution yeah. for that. And, 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 you know, but, you know, to me, what is that? That's, that's, that's what, you know, when Skip and I sat down and we talked about the names of like, what's Cro-Magnon? It was like this, this culture, you know what I mean? It was like, a, it was all about you know, getting together with your buddies and saying, okay, let's go out to snows this weekend and go check out, you know, uh, the pit out there, or let's go out to Louis Mueller's or let's go out to, um, you know, I don't know, uh, blacks or, you know, and, and basically on the weekends we would get together with 10, 15 guys, you know, and then we kind of make the rounds, eat some barbecue, get fat and happy. And then, you know, sit and sit in Skip's garage because he had a man cave. And it was like, what is this culture really all about, right? It's about the fellowship. It's about the camaraderie. It's about, you know, being together. And that's what, you know, Cro-Magnon, you know, as, as, you know, how does that relate to like the brands and what we were trying to do? That's kind of that, that, that kind of piece that kind of brought it all together. Right. So, um, you know, so, but, but, you know, going back to like stores and lounges, if you, if we lose that, um, onboarding of new consumers and customers and getting them bought in and making them feel welcome and making them feel like, you know, they don't have to walk over and grab a $30 cigar to enjoy the culture uh, of cigars. Then, then it'll start to shrink. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Yeah. I think that that's the, that's the, the one thing that I think is going to start to trouble the cigar industry and other industries too. So it's not, like this is a unique issue. Like is is 
prices continue to go up and everything uh, on a, on a lot of different areas. But that's uh, that'll take us into tonight's major point, Mike, which is always brought to you by the people. Yes, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. Is it? But behind the fun is a motivation for service, exactly. A motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blues to the latest release in the London series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's always what that's what their life's work is always and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol, Cigars. Uh, we mentioned Berkeley's a minute ago with the where they all got started, Juan and Bill, those guys. And now Juan and Kevin are carrying that legacy on, and it's good stuff. So, um, but what we were talking about here, Mike, just kind of going back to the beginning, you mentioned Cro-Magnon. We're going to get into the evolution of Cro-Magnon here in a little bit. But let's not forget, I mean, the origin of Cro-Magnon was, was, was with you, was Adrian's, Adrian's Cro-Magnon. That was the, that was the, that was the OG, man, back in the, I remember smoking that when it was Adrian's. Um, well, and- it, it, was, it was, it was, it was Adrian's kind of from an import perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, nothing, nothing had really been developed it was it was a cigar it was an idea it was it was um you know um yeah i mean it, it, what's funny so um at the time here in austin um uh, i want to say it was raul but raul disla who now runs Natsa, worked for me in texas um and he was at heroes and legacies uh which was crazy because i just ran into richard hutchinson who who owned Heroes and Legacies. And those who don't know, it was like a Diamond Crown lounge here in Austin. Um, yeah. Back back when Diamond Crown used to have like a, I think they might, they still may, I don't know, that they have like a, basically any Diamond Crown lounge, if you're a member of that, you can kind of go to any other Diamond Crown lounges across the United States. And so he had one. And um, so Ra- Raul um, had, had come to the States and was making cigars. And, um, and at the time, um, you know, I had, I had, I had run into Skip and we, you know, kind of knew that we knew a lot of the same people and, um, started kind of getting, you know, closer and hanging out and kind of doing these other kind of barbecue things. And, um, so anyway, so he, um, he, he, he brought over, uh, the last of, uh, some cigars that he had gotten from from Christian before they had sold to Davidoff and he said, Hey, this used to be one of my favorite cigars and and I've only got a handful left. And so we had dissected it and took it apart. And and, and unfortunately here in Texas, I mean, I didn't have um a you know a super wide range of different types of tobaccos that we were working out here out of cigar shops, right? And um but I said, you know, if you will let me, I'll uh Esteban Raul's brother, who was running Natsa at the time I said, I got to go visit him. We got to buy some tobacco and work on some other things. And, uh, and so we, we called, uh, we called Esteban kind of started talking about, you know, what, what we thought the, the blend was when we took the cigar apart and kind of had a baseline and kind of working on that. And, uh, and that was, I want to say, you know, fall of 2010. And, uh, so anyway, so I had, we'd gone down and started working on the cigar and, um, made some tweaks and, and, uh, so I imported it in. And so at the time, the, my son, Adrian, I had a cigar brand here that was making out of Costa Rica called Adrian's Costa Rican cigars. And, uh, and 
And so, so on paper, yeah, it was, it was an Adrian's Costa Rican cigar, but it was imported out of Nicaragua, but the brand, yeah. the company name was Adrian's in uh, Costa Rican imports. And so um, it, it's, it's also cool to see Costa Rica kind of getting a lot because you mentioned United. So the same factory out of Putascal, uh, Costa Rica was, you know, I, I, I did a lot of work with them, you know, 07, 08. It was such a small operation. They kind of see them grow. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, um, cause they're not just doing United, they're doing, I mean, I go down a whole laundry list of other brands they're doing mm -hmm. a factory now. So anyway, so, um, there was a guy out of Virginia who started a magazine and I'm going to, as soon as we get off, it's going to come to me. Um, anyways, his, they raided the knuckle, the knuckle dragger under Adrian's. So I want to say like the, like the knuckle dragger got like a 91, 92 right off the rip. At a, at, you know, as a, as a cigar rating. And so, um, so anyway, so that's whenever Skip and I kind of really just kind of sat down and were like, Hey, you know, um, we, we've got to make this a little bit more formal. So we came up with what was called Roma Craft and uh, Rosales and Martin, and then kind of, kind of built, built a company. The, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's kind of the origin story of, of how that came about. That's crazy. It's, I mean, cause I remember those, I mean, I don't remember the story obviously cause I wasn't around, but like, I, I remember, Adrian's, I remember that you started in Costa Rica. You actually, this is something I, I just recently learned. Um, and you got to tell me this. So, like, I know you, you, you graduated, you graduated from OU in 2000. And then, mm -hmm. did you go to study at Costa in university? In yeah, Costa that's Rica what after. That's, no, before that. So, that's, before. um, so a couple things. So, um, so my degree is in communication and, and I was, I was going to OU. And I wanted an opportunity to do a foreign exchange program. And so the, uh, you're going to need some more of that coffee, bro. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, it's okay. The, um, so anyway, so I, I went to Costa Rica and ended a, um, my first kind of stint was about nine months and then came back, finished my degree in 2000, went back and started my master's program, uh, at the Latina university Latina, uh, which is in San Pedro. And then my dad got sick, um, like pretty bad. And then, so I ended up coming back home and then, um, and then when I came back, that's, you know, it just kind of, I needed to be closer because I wasn't sure what was going to happen with him. And so, um, and then quickly after that kind of transition, I went into real estate. And so that's kind of why from 2000, uh, kind of May, May of 2000 until, I mean, I'm still technically a broker uh, in Texas, but I, I keep my license. I don't really practice, but um, so I was doing that. And then so about in 2004, uh, a friend of mine was getting married and his his family were developing. They had some land and so they wanted to develop something. And so I talked him into, you know, instead of just selling the land, I said, well, why don't you build something? And so we built 16 condos. Um, and during that time, I started bringing back, started bringing people to Costa Rica to kind of look at the condos and traveling back and forth. As well as you know, people would ask me about bringing uh, cigars back um, from there, and I, you know, and at th that time I was just casually kind of uh, smoking nothing. I had my first cigar my graduation night in two thousand with my dad. Oh, that's and, cool. Um, yeah, and well, that's and so, a cool connection. You know, the your first cigar was also the reason you came back, which was the impetus of the kind of the yeah. beginning and stuff. That's neat. Yeah. So, I, you know, and, and, you know, for me, like, you know, the cigar industry was not even really on my radar. 
and then um so i started i started uh people would come in i started getting cigar boxes made from this so this family that was making cigars down there and then i would give them away as gifts right so that's kind of that was kind of the introduction you know so everyone wants to have a cigar but on the weekends they would feed me and and we would you know they would make paella and they would do all kinds of stuff and i'd hang out and they had a son that wanted to come that uh that wanted to come to the States, really couldn't do anything. He knew how to make cigars. And so I got with Richard and um, uh, from Heroes and Legacies and said, hey, would you be interested in bringing a cigar roller? We brought him over and then uh, got him kind of, you know, uh, sponsored him. And then uh, then Raul came over and then I had Danilo. And, uh, and I think there was one more. And then after that, it got to the point to where um, so Danilo had gone to Houston and was working with Stogies down in Houston. And then he was up in, in Dallas at elite with, uh, Kent Pennington. And then Raul had focused on, uh, doing the cigars out of the heroes and legacies. And so he kind of rotated. And so everything was really going well. I mean, the challenge really was, is that kind of getting back and forth to Lubbock was, was really difficult. And then kind of getting everyone, um, like finding room and board and getting them to and from, especially out of these different, different areas was really difficult and and then kind of the s chip law that that went into effect in 2007 uh between 2007 and 2000 uh really 2010 because technically once the cigars are made you import it under a raw tobacco you have to convert them and technically you're a manufacturer even if you are especially if they're selling them and so um anyways long story short by that time skip and i were really kind of working on you know kind of getting the romocraft up and going and um and so when we launched at the trade show i was really kind of all done with all the rollers but it, it was nice. fun it was a learning experience i mean it really you know taught me a lot as far as like buying tobacco and making sure that the stuff that you buy that you know that you put your name on is what it's supposed to be and not yeah. getting screwed over and all that other stuff and so i mean that's all still the same that game still happens that hadn't changed still... yeah i was gonna say that sounds that sounds that sounds uh pretty familiar uh, yeah, with the processes so. you guys currently come up, go under and stuff, I think that that's um, I think that's what I, I mean. A couple of things that's really cool there, just kind of things to know. Like, uh, I, I you said you keep up the real estate, the real estate part, even though you don't really practice and stuff. Uh, I know your good friend and trusted partner down in Florida, Mike Stefankevich, does it too. Mm-hmm. I, I found that out a couple, yeah. of shows, a couple of shows ago that I had him on, and because uh, I kind of stumbled across a listing that he had under his name, and I was like, what the. F- what what and he's like yeah man yeah. i do it for shits and stuff i'm like oh that's cool like i mean um so like the <clears throat> i feel like the military background musician background real estate background is like the that's like the starting package if you want to start a cigar brand those three those three professions seem to kind of lead the way <laughs> into cigars somehow well you, but, you know i don't i don't know if you know this or not but i think sean williams has a real estate background yeah no I, yeah 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 he, yeah so he i mean you know well. so so, I mean, I would so realistically, I would say, I mean, it's a handful, but you're right. I mean, it's not, uh, there's definitely this other, like these other industries definitely kind of produce a lot more introductions into the cigar industry versus, well, you know. Spence Drake was too, like, and he's back, he's back in that game too. But yeah, he, he yeah, did that for a while. He was, he, he was on the finance side. I don't know if he yeah. sold houses. He might've, but I think he was on the finance side, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, that's a dude I miss out of the industry, man. I, I you know. It's one of my he's favorites. A, he's dude. another one. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. Really I had him on dude. my show a few so. times, man. I re- I always I have I 
I really liked the some, some the cigars that he produced. the The last one he did, I, I ironically was my favorite that he ever did, the Illegal. I thought that was fucking fucking fire. That cigar was amazing. Um, it's something uh, too. Like I I remembered we had talked about this, and I never, for some reason I just never connected the dots over the years because I knew your I knew your connection to OU. Also knew where you were born and raised in Austin or was from. You know, I was like, in I was in Oklahoma City. Yeah, but lived here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, was that painful <laughs> to move into Longhorn country? I mean, did you feel like you were betraying your soul a little bit, or? No, not at all. I think I think I mean what's funny is 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 uh so back then I mean Austin was a little bitty. I mean it's still it's grown tremendously, right? I mean, um, like if you were to look at Flower Mountain, like how much Flower Mountain has grown. No shit. Know, yeah. You know, um, it, it's wild, right? Like, so I mean, yeah. Austin, I mean, and that, that's a much smaller kind of, but you look at like, you know, it, it, Euless and Flower Mound and, and kind of, you know, where, you know, it all has blended in together. Right. So I mean, yeah. Austin's kind of the same thing. Right. So um, no, I mean, I, you know, what's funny is the, uh, they were, so the first year or two, like people would walk around and be like, fuck OU and, and they would talk shit. Right. And then OU goes on this tear, and we're fucking just fucking sixty three ten, like just blowing them out, right? And then they just they stopped talking, and then you know Texas kind of went through this whole thing where they were kind of firing coach after every two or three years because they couldn't get it done, and then so the the chirping, it's still like I'm I'm waiting for it to really come back because it's uh you know because they've gotten progressively better. I think sarcasm on a on a good trajectory, but. Um, but no, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. But it used to be the first year or two, man. Like I, I, you know, walk around the mall and someone's like trying to fight me. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, dude, I, I saw. You know, I just say, man, well, year did you graduate? You must be a really proud, proud graduate. You know, oh, I, ne- I never went. Serious. Yeah, yeah, never went. Yeah. yeah, so that was always my joke about the difference between OU Sooners and UT Longhorn fans. Is that uh, OU Sooner fans actually attended the University of Oklahoma and UT uh, UT fans never did attend UT? Uh, yeah. It's like clockwork. Remember, so like it, the I think it was around the the around the time that Romacraft started, but it, the like late two thousands to the early aughts, like there was a real popular color for trucks back at least back at least down here in Texas was that was the burnt orange, right? And man, I could see one of those burnt orange trucks driving down the highway, decked out in UT stickers and stuff. I was like, man, I'd bet every fucking dime in my bank account that guy never went to UT. <laughs> every freaking time, man. It's crazy. The amount of fans that I knew growing up to uh, and still know to this day that are UT fans and like did not go to the school. And I just don't get it. I'm like, I'm like, like, well, you're, you're, a, you're a big baseball guy, right? Yeah. Of course. Okay. So, um, What's the what's the Dallas team? It, it, it's the uh, Rangers. The Rangers. Won. Yeah, the Rangers. Right. Yeah. yeah. How much how much apparel did you get see after they they oh, won? Oh, of course. Yeah. No, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like uh, all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, it's like there's a, a sea of people wearing this shit, you know, this this color and gear and stuff. It's like never even probably have been to a game, never really paid attention to it. But oh yeah, you know, you know. So so, but it it's fun. It's it's a it's a great, uh, you know, it's definitely. Well, and what's, you know, what's really, uh, listen, I, I'm a big, I love college football. So, you know, when, when Texas is, is, is playing better, uh, USC is playing better when, you know, Nebraska, when they get their shit together and they're playing better. Like, I think those programs are good for college football. If you're a college football fan and I, I could watch any, any, you know, I, I just love watching college football. Right. So, 
I'm not really much into pros, but um, there, there's definitely, um, there are, there are programs that whenever they're winning or they're doing better, or they're in the chase or the hunt, right? Like they just, it just makes the game that much more exciting. Right. So yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. So you, you are obviously you guys found, found the company around the crafts back slowly, like you mentioned, the slow methodical builds and uh, have built up, you know, built up this company. Now it's, you know, t- post 10 years of existence. Um, you know, you mentioned Raul and Esteban and everything. The um, I kind of what that kind of is a nice little segue into the Quinn Quaginario project. You guys have built up. You, know, you guys have built this factory. You know, you've started in in Esteban's house and then built the factory in Nicosueno, and then now I've even added onto it too. So you guys have even expanded it to this point, which is just crazy to think where you started. I mean, a little over a decade ago, and now you're expanding your first factory and everything so and then so just just to kind of give you an idea i don't know how much you know or not but so the the factory is the same and then probably about two kilometers away is this new bodega that's on the The pre-industry building okay the pre-industry building so so it's not it's so it's not that the actual factory because the factory is kind of landlocked in where it's at so we can't you know unless we were to build up somehow like that's the only the way that we'd be able to do that but gotcha uh, gotcha okay uh, but as far as like the pre-industry um, and I just got back there. So, um, so what it's the last time that I was there and we were working on, on those types of things uh, in SLE, it just started. And then um, all of, I think the only time I went to Nicaragua was I was actually just down in San Juan. I don't actually think we went up to, to SLE. If that's right. Um or I didn't go to to Nicaragua at all, um, and so so to get a chance to kind of see it and 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 the amount of tobacco that's there and because um, what's what's funny like my my schedule kind of bleeds over like I think last year I think TPE was on the same weekend or pretty close to um, for the Nicaragua Tobacco Festival yeah, and then Perisipur. yeah it was like a, yeah like two days like it was like a day turnaround. With yeah, the day just, just like just like this year, right? Like it was like one and then the other, but I didn't go to TPE this year. So, um, so it's kind of like you always got to make like these 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 things and um, sacrifices of you know the things that you go to. It's either I got to be here or I got to go there. And you know, someone like Oscar who's, who bounces around is pretty impressive just because he's <laughs> he's just he's everywhere. He, he you know he's everywhere. Um, but you know, I think that the uh, but to see it kind of in motion and to see like how well it was it was put together, man. It's it's definitely um so it, it's doing really well alex is uh kind of uh head of bodega in uh in tobacco purchasing is doing a really good job he came over from oliva and um and is just doing a, a, a really good job of making sure that everything is is neat organized in place and and um has done a really good job of kind of kind of so kind of the nice thing about it is is like a lot of the things that they were doing inside the factory we can now do over in these other these other areas and so you don't have um, as many people working inside the factory. So, because mm-hmm. um, I, I do know the last time I was down there, man, you couldn't, you you know, there was so much, just so much movement activity. You, you had to sidestep to kind of get around people and, you know, not overstep. And, but now that, you know, you, you know, you think about it, like we've added since last year, we've added UPCs on every different SKU. Yes. God bless so, you. God so, bless you, sir. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Well, one, I don't know if people realize like how big of an expense that is. 
Oh yeah. Like like so oh, yeah. so but on the flip side, I also understand like like you know, as far as like losing turns from a retail store, like for someone to pull every cigar out, then tag them and then put them back in the box and put them in the system and then put them over. It's like, you know, it it might take, you know, um, a week or two before someone actually gets to it and starts putting them away. You know what I mean? So it's, it definitely has helped in getting turns on the shelf, um, which is nice, I think, uh, for everybody. But, you know, again, you think about all kind of leading into Quinquagenario, right? So, I mean, I think one of the things that we kind of took away from in that visit was the how organized Ernie had done a really cool job of making sure that when they went into packaging, they had a, a, a kind of chief operating lady who, who was designed. So if, so, Hey, we're going to package, you know, cigar, whatever, 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 then, then she would basically get a mock box hand it to them and say, okay, these are the things that you need from the Vista, which is like the insert to ribbon color, to, to uh, the cigar labels, to UPC codes, to Bovida if it went in there and essentially would give them everything that they needed, like a, like a checklist to then go into packaging. And yeah. so when they, when they would say, okay, we're going to do X amount of cigars today and in, in this, you know, it, to getting into packaging and then getting ready for the shipment, they, that person was in charge to make sure that that all the inventory was done correctly and that everything was packaged the way that it needed to be done and so i think i think from a um from a visual perspective getting to see the operation kind of happen allowed us to kind of say okay you know because we were kind of in that transition of saying okay we're 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 going to do this like we already had made the decision to get the, the upcs done but it was really more of an execution like how do we do it within the space and so, so now, um, all of the UPCs and marketing material that kind of get ready for the boxes, everything goes into the bodega, gets counted, and then from there gets you know uh, shipped over and transitioned into the factory. So then that way, um, there's there's a, there's a, a way to maintain count and consistency and quality. That's that's awesome. I, I think the I think what was what it was a really cool opportunity must have been really cool for for skip was to have the opportunity to to get under the tutelage and 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 explore the mind of of someone like you know ernesto which you know you and skip have kind of come up with this industry really quickly skip has moved down there you know he's in the factory regularly worked really closely with uh you know with esteban for years um and 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 now alex obviously um what you know, what has that been transition been like moving from, you know, Esteban, who you guys were, you know, partners with for years to Alex and Alex's resume speaks for itself. Like you said, he came from Oliva Tobacco, which is Oliva Tobacco, not Oliva Cigar Company for those out there who are uninformed. Uh, it's, well, it's, but yeah, I mean, he, he, the, the other way he came from the that he actually did come from the, Oliva, he actually, oh, that's right. Excuse from me. The, yeah. From the Oliva. Yeah. So this so is you, why it needs explaining. Correct. Cause even I get, there, there are two, there are, there are two. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, the well the, the here's i mean the reality of it is is that i think kind of going into covid um i mean the factory was running smoothly as it was um and and then obviously whenever covid the shutdown happened you know arlen and fiorella and skip were here i don't know six seven months um you know probably from uh, march april until i want to say december 
Um, just because, I mean, I think at the time, even, you know, American Airlines United had stopped flying into Managua, right? So it had made it difficult. And so anyway, so then um, long story short, you know, I think, um, you know, kind of, kind of seeing, you know, this loss of interest and loss of whatever, it just kind of, it just wasn't a, a way to say, you know what, I think, you know, um, it, some changes needed to be done. We had to make some changes. Some people didn't want to make the changes that were necessarily do as far as, uh, um, you know, I'll tell you like this in, in Austin, for example, if I said, Hey, you know, um, I want to give bear and the team at Ulysses, I write down every cigar that comes out. Like there's a, there's a checklist of, you know, this is what I did. This is what I gave it to. This is why. Right. And not because no one not trusts me to do whatever, but there's a, a, a financial fiduciary relation that you have to treat the company like a company, like a business, right. It's not your personal kind of whatever. And so uh, long story short, I think that, that, um, you know, because, you know, the hands have been taken off the wheel for a little while and then put the hands back on the wheel for a little bit. It just was some friction and, and so, you know, it was like, you know what, this, it's, it's time for us to, um, you know, and I think that he really was, he wanted to grow, grow tobacco. And I think that he was spending a lot of time out in the tobacco fields. And so it was like, listen, like, we'll, we'll set you up. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, you, you've done a good job and your family's been a big part of this. And so um, we, we amicably decided to kind of uh, go different directions. Okay. And at that time, I think that the, uh, um, you know, getting getting to go over to see how some of these other factories were because you know realistically skip and i were looking at you know we got to buy land we need to expand the factory we just weren't sure which was the right way to go about that right and um every you know and and whether or not i don't know how much people kind of get into it with you on the show or not but for the reality of it is uh, money gets sent down it goes into this machine the guards come out you sell the stuff, you pay taxes on it, and then whatever's left over, you send it right back to the factory and it's rinse and repeat, right? Like it's just um, but <clears throat> the reality of it is is that it was it was Skip and I that were putting the money in that were continuing to make the thing kind of go. And so to get someone to get everyone on board to say, okay, if we're gonna make these financial investments to go to the next level, then then it's gonna take significant amount of of capital to do that. And so um, you know, when, it, you know, I'm, well, I'm not going to do that and you're going to do that and who's going to do that. And, you know, we're skipping, I work really, really well together. We always have. And so it was just, um, you know, listen, you know, go do your thing and, and grow the best tobacco. We'll be your number one customer, you know, come in and, and, you know, we'll always kind of lean on you to make sure that, you know, if there's a question that we have that, uh, makes sense. And, um, and actually the, the, his, 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 his once the fact, again, once the factory was kind of running, the factory's running. You have people in place that are kind of chief head department of this, chief head department of that. And so everyone's kind of doing their job and you just kind of come in, you kind of check on them to make sure everything is kind of running the way that needs to. The the tobacco buying and selecting and everything else was was definitely kind of his skill set. And so, you know, early on we set up a thing. It's like, hey, we'll pay you, you know, you know a, a commission to go out and make sure that you're buying the best available of what we're doing. Cause this, this has your name and legacy on it, right? Like your imprint is on here. Your DNA is on this. So you want to make sure that, that this is still going in the, in the best direction possible. So, sure. um, and, and you can still make money. So, uh, so it worked out really well for him. And so now he's got, uh, 
I think four different growing operations is doing oh, very wow. well. And so, okay. Uh, Good for him. Good for him. So, you know, I, I think, um, but going to the, you know, the operation in the Dominican and kind of going around and seeing other, you know, um, a couple of things happen. One, you know, cause, cause when you're kind of in Nicaragua, you know, we don't really have any business really in the Dominican. Um, so it was really kind of neat to see people come over and kind of give us respect from Roma craft is like, Oh man, you know, cause they don't get to see our cigars as often unless they're going into the States. Right. And so to have people come up and go, Hey, I've, I've heard about them. I've never had them. Or I want to try them or whatever, or, you know, you know, that was kind of neat, right. To nice. see people kind of, um, cause it goes both ways. I mean, I'm always constantly, um, you know, I, I, I like what Ventura is doing. I like, you know, I like, um, I, you know, me, I'm a cigar consumer, right? So I smoke everybody's cigars. And so, um, but then kind of going into Ernie's uh, facility and and kind of just, you know, one, I think the, the the bigger thing you kind of notice immediately is the amount of space that they have. You know, we don't have space, right? So um, so that that was something that I think was kind of the, the obvious kind of like, oh man, I wish we had this much room. Um, number one. Number two, um, his, his team is great. So from Mikey and uh, everyone down, I think they just do a fantastic job. They're all on the same page. Uh, really hardworking people. Um, and, and they, they work, um, you know, with this, this, this uh, efficiency level that, that um, oftentimes you don't see uh, in, at, a, at a speed, at a pace like you would in, in Nicaragua. Um, and so that was kind of a, like meaning like if we could take two or three of his guys and come down and have them trying to train in Nicaragua, that would be great. Um, Cause I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, then, you know, obviously I think, you know, we, we took some ideas from, from uh, you know, as we kind of started setting up the bodegas, cause you know, we had gone in and we made this investment on tobacco. And so getting, you know, that's what Skip does is, you know, he's definitely about, you know, the flow design and concept um, and, and then kind of, you know, but, but integrating it into, Kind of our systems and so really 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 impressed with how well you know right now the factory and the bodega uh i mean so much so that you know they we were nominated factory of the year you know post esteban uh and then recently you know company of the year so um which you know i don't really i mean th those are really big honors and so you know to have you know kind of these people within the industries to kind of recognize what you're still doing is that yeah, you're still on the same path is really cool because I mean, those are some big changes. I mean, I mean, like it or not, if it's even if it's for the betterment of the company, those are some still some big changes, and to still kind of persevere and make through, and then actually get recognized for it too. I mean, sure. that's that's pretty. I mean, that that's 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 got to be a feather in the in the, in the cap for people all around and everything. To to go back to the, the actual the Quinquagenario project. So again, it's to commemorate. Um, and if I'm misquoting here, Mike, you can obviously correct me. But if it's to commemorate the 50th sure. birthday of of Skip, and then. But it's meant to be a series, or at least that's the way it was explained to me. So sure. you'll yeah. be one for you, yeah. Uh, uh, when when you catch up to Skip's ripe old age, no, I'm just kidding, all kidding. Um, but... Well, you, well, well, you know it's funny. Well, we started the project when he was 49, and it technically didn't get released until about two months after he turned 51. So that right. means, by all accounts, sometime after March, I'll have to start working on mine if I want it to be released by the time I'm actually 50. So yeah. Um, uh, is that something? I mean, are you, I mean, I know that was really exciting for for Skip, and I I think it was for me. Um, I really enjoyed watching 
him post about it and things like that. Cause I'm, I'm a big Ernesto fan as well. And I, you could almost like see, um, a, 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 again, without sounding diminutive of just a very childlike curiosity and satisfaction and just joy. It was almost like this rekindled joy. I know Skip and you love what you do, but it was really kind of cool to see that and to see the beginnings of this project, like for him to start sharing about it and stuff and everything. I mean, I mean, has it been similar for you? I mean, that's got to be, I mean, because you've been smoking cigars, like you haven't been smoking cigars as long as Skip has. But I mean, this has been a, I mean, this is a, this is, I mean, this is your life. This is your passion. I mean, you've been, you know, you've been doing it for a long time too. And I mean, to work with a legend like Ernesto, I mean, that had to, that had to be exciting for you as well. No, I I think it is. I think that the, um, you you know, so one, yes, to answer your question, I think that there definitely was this rekindled uh, joy. We went from having conversations of, well, if Esteban's not here to do this, you know, do we shut everything down? You know, what are, what's option, you know, A, B, and C, what, you know, like what, because you didn't know, right? You you didn't, you didn't, you know, so you, and you, you know, we're constantly talking about how do we improve? How do we get better? How do we um, dial in? How do we fine tune, you know, um, whether it's quarterly, monthly, yearly, like you're, you're constantly having these types of conversations. And so, um, but to see, you know, Skip get to work with Ernesto, ask questions, but then also to validate some of the things that he's been able to learn along his journey, kind of kind of rekindle um, this, you know, this excitement was was really something that that I think, quite honestly, came at the right time, right? Like it came, you know, as a um one kind of a vindication and or not vindication but more of a uh, affirmation of like hey we're on the right track we're we've done we've already done all the hard work right like it's um you know now i mean to be honest i mean to go out and put your name on you know five hundred thousand dollars worth of tobacco and 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 you hope that they sell you what they told you it was going to get and you come in and it's a miss that still hurts yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, oh, God, yeah. um, meaning meaning um, from a, a again because I mean, um, I, I'm put it this way: if if I called Apple Computer and I said, "Hey, I need a thousand computers with this much RAM on this size computer with this much spec, and I need it to be this kind of processor, and I need it to, you know, whatever, right? All of the things that I need to do. Guess what? I'm going to get in three or four days, maybe five. Right, I'm gonna get a, a pallet full of a thousand computers, exactly to the spec, exactly to what yeah. I asked for, to the T. Right? Yeah, you're not um, getting De- you're not gonna get Dell's. You're gonna get the Apple, yeah, experience exactly. Yeah, you know, and 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 quite honestly, I'm, they're gonna be perfectly packaged. It's gonna be, you know, um, it's gonna be to to my specifications. Well, you know, to be quite honest, I mean, um, we were really spoiled. In, in the fact that before the kind of the boom, we were able to really buy a, pretty much everything exclusively through the Oliva Tobacco family, kind of pay them a, a, a little extra, and then they would work the tobacco 100%. And then as we needed it, we could bring it over because our space wasn't big enough. And then we could kind of, kind of utilize. And if so if there was something wrong, you're in the same room to go, hey, 
this isn't, you know, in the processing moment, this either just go back in a little bit longer or it's too whatever, or this isn't quite what I thought we were going to get. And they would just do a switch on the fly, you know, or make an adjustment on the fly. But once, once you have this kind of accelerated kind of growth in, in the, in the tobacco industry and everyone's like, Hey, just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me tobacco. Right. Then, then all of a sudden it's like that, you know, Hey, we don't have the space and the ability and the manpower to kind of work, you know, this tobacco that you're doing. And so it kind of forced us into like, like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta start, you know, buying and then working it yourself. And you got to make sure that, you know, as well as you want to make sure that you have, um, you know, as we were able to reinvest in the tobacco that we were doing, it's like, you know, the buys are getting bigger. The spaces meaning is getting larger because you're not, you know, now you might have five or six years worth of tobacco of something that you bought because you got a good deal on it or whatever, but you still got to store it somewhere. Right. right. And so, um, you know, you can't just park that in somebody else's place. You know, it's like, you know, having one of your buddies come over and then they're, you know, they're like, it was going to be a weekend kind of thing. And all of a sudden, you know, they're staying there for six, eight weeks or whatever. And you're like, bro, well, you for the record, it. if you want to store your bourbon collection at my house, Mike, I've, <laughs> I've got a place for you. I've got a place. For I appreciate you. it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, so, you know, so by, so, you know, again, the transition, uh, the investments that we were making, the growth that we were having and all this other stuff kind of, kind of, kind of forced us into these, this expansion of the bodegas, which actually worked out to our favor. You know, at right. the time it was really difficult because it's a lot of money that you got to fork up front. Uh, but you'd rather have it, but it kind of forced you into making sure that you knew this process, right? It made you, it kind of forces you into understanding, you know, how long something can sit in the pallone and how long can you, can you, you know, how to store, you know, all the things that you got to do that you got to make sure you ironed out to make sure that, that, you know, you're not getting mold on tobacco or you're not getting, you know, it's not, it's not rotting in a pack or whatever it is, right? Like you just got to make sure you're on top of those things. And so to make that transition without someone like Esteban, who, who, you know, um, would have been the guy to do all that stuff, you know, kind of forces into somebody, one, who, who speaks English fluently with Alex, right? Cause he's from Canada, who's, who, you know, has done this for a very large company that we felt comfortable with doing. And so, um, you know, it, it, it worked out really, really well, you know, and so, um, but then kind of, like I said, going out to the Dominican, kind of rekindling this, this kind of, uh, uh, this excitement with Skip, kind of working on Quinquagenario, right, which then also led into Volstead. Volstead, that's where I was right? going to go, okay, yeah. Right, and then, and then, you know, because had we had not worked on that, and then kind of understanding how to do, you know, and kind of process Sumatra, then, then Volstead would not have been a thing, right, and so, it just, it, you know, it, we, you know, a lot of luck, a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, blind faith, a lot of other things kind of led into these other, this other pathway that has really kind of set us up to continue to grow um, even more so. Right. And so, um, you know, and then, you know, but then everything throws a curveball, and then all of a sudden you're looking at, okay, well, there's no more broadleaf. Right. So now, uh, so then you're like, okay, well, you got to make these hard decisions. Um, we absolutely could have just slapped on, you know, a Pennsylvania broadleaf on the original Cro-Magnon blend and just shipped it out and said, you know, Hey, we got Cro-Magnon. Um, and I've had people say, why didn't you just do that? And, and my answer will always be the same. 
is that a lot of consumers may not know, but I would know, yeah. you know, like, and so, um, and there would be a large percentage of the people that would go, this isn't quite the same. Yeah. You know, this 100%. isn't what, and so, you know, you kind of think about that, you know, this isn't the first time that if something we didn't have or didn't meet our, you know, there's still, there's broadleaf that's out there. It's going to be a lot lighter. It's going to be a lot thinner. It's not going to have the same kind of flavor. It's not going to have the same kind of taste. And so if we can't get the thicker, heavier, darker, richer things that we, you know, kind of put on the original Cro-Magnon, we just, you know, we've said it before, Neanderthal, we've said it before. If I can't get it, we just won't make it. We'll put it in production. I'd rather, I'd rather lose the money, but then know that if I put it back out into the marketplace, it's going to be as good, if not better than what it was originally, you know, and that's on us, you know, that's on me. You know, I put like, like I, I would, I would. And that that's because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a consumer just like you are, you know? Right. No. And I think, I, th- I mean, you guys have, you guys have been pretty consistent with that. And I want to put a pin in this part, Mike, because I think there's, I want to talk about Volstead. I want to talk about the Pennsylvania Cro-Magnon here in just a bit. So we'll, we'll pause with this fun segment because it'll be a nice transition point to back into this. And this, uh, this, uh, this segment of course is brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the firecracker and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from selected tobacco. Smoke one today and start living United. So, um, this is taken from a little bit of your history and our history here, Mike. So we know that the role of Alexander Hamilton and George Washington played in the Whiskey Rebellion, which is told through the uh, Intemperance uh, Whiskey Rebellion line that you guys created. Uh, and it was under Washington's presidency. The Whiskey Rebellion happened during Washington's presidency. Their part, But their partnership goes back a lot further than that. So this is the multiple choice question for you, Mike. But we're still talking about Hamilton and Washington. Hamilton and Washington. So back okay. in, during the Revolutionary War, what was Alexander Hamilton's first job under George Washington during the Revolutionary War? Was it his A, was he the aide de camp? B, the captain of his artillery? C, his personal war correspondent? Or D, his lead scout? I'm going to go with his aide. Aide de camp? Yeah, this was a tough one, man. I threw a curveball at you on this one. So that's because, actually because, sec- he... it was the second okay, job. That was the second job. That was that the was second job? job. Okay. Yeah, that was the second job. What was, so. what was one? Captain of his artillery, believe it or not. Captain which, of his artillery. Which okay. I imagine he probably sucked at, but he was really great at like he was really great as you know, I mean, Alexander Hamilton's one of the greatest great thinkers from early American, uh, early American history. Sure. So, so it's easy to see why he got promoted, promoted to aide de camp. Probably like, dude, you're not good at this artillery thing, man. Why don't you just come into the tent and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And we'll figure this, we'll figure this whole British thing out. Uh, well, I, I mean, I knew, I knew he worked as, you know, that was kind of the whole thing was his like, he's kind of his right hand man for a lot of things, yeah. right. Before yeah. he got it to go on to out onto his own. So, yeah. um, well, he was That's, the right hand uh, man during the whole whiskey rebellion, the whole thing, I mean, yeah. the, the whole history of it. So, what um, what was it about? Okay, so we talked about. By the, the, the way, Je- Jefferson is my favorite size in that uh, blend. By yeah. the way, the the the, the robusto, so. the Hamilton's mine, the Hamilton's mine, okay. and that was the one that one that I I gave you guys number two cigar of the year in two thousand nineteen for uh, that I finally got to give you guys at the trade show this year. I felt so terrible about that. Um, just with uh, COVID and, uh, and then 
I foolishly forgot the award last year when you guys returned to PCA uh, and last year. And then, so this year you guys were there and I, I brought it along thankfully and, and, and was able to finally give it to skip. And that was, uh, that was a long, long, long overdue, but, uh, but now my, my award can, uh, can be uh, um, in its rightful place next to the file cabinet, next to the cigar aficionado award that you guys had years ago. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, but yeah, it, listen. I mean, one, I'm I'm grateful if you're ever on a list and you someone recognizes you. I am I am grateful, but and until so I do appreciate it, I don't want everyone to think like, oh, they just kind of poop on those things. It's not, it's not that. It's just, it's uh, like I said, it's nice to be recognized, but it's not the end all be all of what we do. What we do. So, yeah, you guys, you've been consistent on that, Mike. So, but going go back to to Hamilton and 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 Washington and this during the. I wanted to go back to what are, you kind of touched on at the very top of the show when we were talking about brand delineation and stuff. And you guys have you guys are great at storytelling, at least I, from my perspective. And I love a good story. Everybody knows that. So the Intemperance line obviously has this 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 background, and you have the Whiskey Rebellion. We'll get into Volstead, of course, here in just a moment. Sure, but, more of a, more of a prohibition kind of yeah, piece. prohibition mm-hmm. theme. Kind of, what 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 was the impetus of that? What was the genesis of that? Like why, why intemperance? Why prohibition? What, what, what was the, the, what was like you and Skipper kicking around? just like, it'd be really cool to do this. No, I'm sure we were sitting around watching boardwalk empire and was like, dude, this is a great storyline. No, I mean, realistically, I think, um, have you seen boardwalk empire? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, so, I mean, it's like boardwalk empire, the wire, uh, 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 what's the gangster one on HBO? Um, Sopranos. Uh, Sopranos, like, like those are like they're must watch. It's much wise TV, right? Those are those are great series. But realistically, I think what it was about, um, when we were kind of sitting down and kind of talking about, you know, creating a business, um, one of the things that I think that you you have to be able to do and do well is is mitigate your risk. Right. And so when you kind of start thinking about, um, you know, if you're going to start to invest money in something, because at the end of the day, I think what Skip and I, we just happen to be really good businessmen that are passionate about the cigar industry. And, and, uh, you know, so, you know, what are things that were going to be difficult, right? We knew government was going to be critical in that conversation. We knew that um, taxes were going to be, you know, um, you know, something that was going to come up and would always be, you know, something difficult. We knew that, uh, cause like I said, the, the whole S chip thing kind of threw a, a wrench into what I was doing with the cigar rollers here in the States. Right. So, um, so we'd already kind of had a little, some, some foresight into in what was going on with that. Um, you know, so anyway, so it was like, okay, well, there's like this running theme, what is the theme? It's fucking government, right? It's like government, you know, and their ability to kind of, you know, tell you, um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, what's, what's ironic about the whole thing is that tobacco, you know, is, is like the backbone of this country. Right. And they love the money. You know, it's, it's the, the money that's generated. If it's 450 million cigars and there's, you know, uh, the user fees and the S chip and, uh, each state has its own independent kind of tax that's kind of generated on it. Right. So they love the money, but love they, the you know, but, you know, but it's, uh, you know, it, so it's easy to kind of, you know, finger point. Um, I mean, let's face it. I mean, Americans as a whole, like we're not the healthiest people. Um, 
you know, so, so if you're going to overeat and overdrink and, and have diabetes and have whatever else, it's easy to say, okay, well, you know, smoke at some point is the, the, the root cause of all your problems. Right. So it's, uh, cause I can't, I can't make you, uh, uh, you know, eat less than 2000 calories or drink less than certain, you know what I mean? I, you just can't. Right. So, but you knew that this overall theme of, you know, we had been through this prohibition before with alcohol and here, you know, we were going to go through it at some point in time. And, and we didn't know that, that FDA was going to be what FDA became. Right. Like, but, but yet there was this conversation is like, what if that could happen? And so the intemperance brand was really about trying to get people, you know, to kind of educate them as a two, twofold. One, we wanted to have a cigar price, a, a excellent cigar value cigar that was kind of in this five at the time, seven fifty. Now it's a sub $10 cigar. Right. Um, and, and, and so you wanted to have, uh, something that was going to always be available, something that we could always make, something that would always be, you know, a, a good value proposition for someone to say, you know, because the intrigue, for example, when we first started, I think it was 550, right? So the Hamilton size, you know, for BA yeah. was was like 550, right? So, you know, if somebody wanted to try a cigar, like, you know, you thought, you know, as a lost leader, it's like, you know, I try a cigar for $5 and kind of, you know, let you know, like, well, hopefully this is a good entry point in and kind of work your way into the other stuff that we made. And so, um, you know, I think that that was a lot of the the conversation piece it was like, okay, you know, how do we get this, uh, in the hands of, of people that, um, you know, could understand and appreciate, um, what I didn't expect is someone to go, well, you know, how good is it, you know, if it's under $10, you know, how good of a cigar could it be for under $10 cigar? Right. Like, which is wild to me that you would hear stuff like that. Um, yeah. but, um, I'm going to light up my number, my number two cigar. So I saw you smoke the anthropology. So I'm going to. Go with a little uh, SGP, a little Neanderthal action. We'll close it out tonight. So sounds good. Sounds good. Um, yeah, that crap but, was you amazing, know, man. I loved it. I loved good. it. Good. Good. So if you're like me and you're kind of wondering, I wonder what that would taste like with broadleaf. Mm, put that out be there. Down, be down. Be down. Down for yeah. some of that for sure. Yeah. But the. Um, so so sorry to interrupt. So the the intemperance. Uh, so the artwork that came from the intemperance brand was the tree of temperance, right? So you either intemperate or temperate, you either abstained or you didn't. And so you had this kind of before and after. So you had the 18th Amendment, which started prohibition. And you had the 21st Amendment, which was kind of the end. Um, and kind of, you know, so the names in the tree, uh, you know, charity, virtue, uh, industry, right, were on the EC side, right? So if your seeds were good and you were holy, or not holy, but holistic, then then your fruit would be good. Right. But if you weren't and you drank or whatever, then your season would be bad, you know. So the ambition, envy, right. And you had kind of had the, the, the tree and this and uh, the snake in the tree, a temptation. Right. And so we took that the and logo made on the my logo hat. Here, we, here we go. Yeah. In your hat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um so then um that was kind of the um kind of the genesis of the intemperance brand. And so the uh so you had the Brazilian Maduro, the BA, and then you have the EC, uh, which is Ecuador, Connecticut. And then soon afterwards, in uh, 2018, 2019, we did the Dojo release and kind of launched the uh, Whiskey Rebellion, which was the uh, the Habano, uh, which was kind of an earlier piece, but it was the first kind of movement of, you know, kind of the first time that a, that, a you know, basically a U.S. president had ever rolled up on 
you know, his own people for a tax purpose uh, in Pennsylvania. And so, um, so the Whiskey Rebellion was kind of like the first intemperance kind of statement piece. Mm -hmm. um, and then recently we decided to launch the Volstead, which uh, was the Volstead Act. And, and again, at the trade show, uh, basically a $750 to $10 uh, cigar, Sumatra cigar, which is a heater of a cigar. It's a banger. I mean, it tastes expensive. It tastes uh, decadent. It's got all the the right notes for a price point that is just, um, you know, it, it's it's done amazing. It's, you know, and so now when you look at the intemperance portfolio, you know, hopefully we get the BA back into production, but you'll have kind of these four variations in this kind of the sub $10 kind of price point cigar. So you have the the Brazilian Maduro, the Connecticut, uh, the Habano, and now Sumatra. Yeah, so the exploration of Sumatra, I'm, I'm, it's easy to connect the dots, Mike, but if it's not true, I want to, I kind of want to make clear the air here. I mean, was the, was the, the Sumatra Genesis, the working with Ernesto on the quinquagenary yeah. process. Okay. So, so I, I think during that, that, um, so, so one, I think, um, they're, they're really good at working it. And so whenever, you know, he gets an opportunity to kind of, kind of peel back, you know, these are the things that you kind of look for when you buy it. These are the kind of things that you got to look for when you're processing it. These are the things that you got to look for kind of throughout the stages. Definitely were implemented in early, you know, kind of in the, in the note taking of, uh, that opportunity. Right. And so, mm -hmm. um, and, and what's funny is, is that, you know, um, I want to say the original Oliva V is Sumatra. There was, there's a cigar that Oliva makes. I'm like, dude, this is a, this is a, it's a great cigar. And so people, you know, people, you know, it, it's like um, Cameroon. People will tell you they love Cameroon all day long, but then, you know, it's like, okay, well, name three cigars that come off of Cameroon, right? Like people have a hard time kind of naming, you know, um, mm -hmm. unless it's, you know, unless it's like, you know, so-and-so's Cameroon cigar, you know what I mean? Like that's, uh, that's about the extent of what they could, um, really kind of get to you as far as descriptors of, of brands. But, um, so anyway, so it was never something that was really kind of high on, on Skip's radar. And I think that, uh, you know, kind of, kind of getting a chance to kind of see it done and done well, kind of changed his opinion of that. And so, yeah. uh, luck luckily for us, I mean, you know, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, um, when, when you're kind of like us and you, you have the ability to be kind of a scratch kitchen and you go to the market and you say, okay, you know, today, you know, instead of, uh, instead of, you know, red ripe tomatoes, you got, you know, green tomatoes, you, you figure out how to, you know, you, you, you just basically are using what mother nature's giving you. Right. And mm -hmm. you got to, you know, create a whole new menu off of what's available, you know? And so, um, you know, so, and I think that we've done a really good job on that. I think, you know, and a couple of other things kind of happened too, right? I think as, like, if you thought back of the cigars that you smoked in 2012, 2010 to 2012, 2013, and then the evolution of what you were smoking in, you know, 20, you know, 14 through 2017, and then kind of where you're at, you know, 2018 to 2020, right? And then where you are now, I'm sure you would say, like, there's definitely uh, a discernible variation of like where you're at in each one oh, of those thousand, like percent. thousand percent well the right. intemperance line follows that i think it was if it wasn't the if it wasn't the beginning of it or the 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 the, the catalyst to it it was certainly a part of that movement because if if you remember when we started smoking in the early 2000s mike it was 
there were there were two when a cigar company came out with the brands they came out with two cigars they came out with a maduro and a natural and the maduro could be san andre it could be broadleaf it could be you know ecuadorian maduro it, could be, it didn't matter it could be maduro and then it could be natural natural could be sumatran it could be connecticut you know ecuadorian connecticut shade it could be connecticut shade it could be whatever but it was like mm. very very general and then all of a sudden there was this flip and like I said, you, if you guys weren't the catalyst, you guys were certainly a part of it. But I remember very early on that to me, you guys were at least with the exception of Ecuador and Connecticut, which is kind of like a staple. You guys were the first people to actually do or, 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 or among the first to actually do something different or at least to the different to the extent of explaining it, which was we have a Maduro and a natural. This is EC and then this is. This is uh, this is BA Brazilian Paraca for people who don't know. Um, if you all have been living under a rock, but then I love the fact that you guys introduced now this third line or uh, technically fourth line, excuse me now, right? And you have these two variations that kind of exist somewhere in the middle, but are very different. Right. Um, and I I really like the the progression of, one of the story just because again I like stories, but two of just the 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 tale of tobacco. You have you have very I mean, it's a very precise, precise order in a stepping, you know, stepping stool of, okay, how do we get to BA? Okay, it's like EC, you know, et cetera. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think? I think the way the way that I smoke it, you know, if we're going up the ladder, so to speak, it would be EC, Volstead, Whiskey Rebellion, and then BA, in terms of like strength, body. Yeah, I, yeah, I probably I would probably invert. Yeah, BA or whiskey, you know, you could kind of interchangeably put them probably depending on which size variation you're going to go into, right? Like, I think, uh, you know, I mean, the the intrigue definitely got some, it's got a zing to it, right? Like, so, mm -hmm. you know, I, so I think, I think kind of depends on which variation you're smoking, but, you know, there's a, uh, but yeah, that's, that's absolutely, you know, EC, Volstead, you know, and then you kind of would flip either, you know, Whiskey Rebellion or, or BA. But I, I think that that, you know, ag again, um i think as as you get a little bit older so 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 go back to the the origin right crow magnum you know so if i went and visited your shop and i went over to go see elite and i went to go see brandon and i went down and saw uh the uh, uh the shop over by love uh jay and then i went to you know or whatever and i smoked five pro magnums back to back right like you know it, it's it's like but people do it right and so but that's you know so then you know it's like okay we need something a little different right so octane kind of came out then you wanted something a little different with you know ec and ba and so so basically you know at that time you just kind of had these the the these four that were kind of these like staples mm -hmm. and you know you kind of throw in you know neanderthal yeah, came after all. and the whiskey rebellion you know and so then it's like okay well the the spectrum from ec to neanderthal it's got everything mm -hmm. you know very much so yeah I mean, across the brands yeah across the brand right but then you kind of throw in you know volstead which again is it, it has this 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 uh this decadent flavor profile like it's rich but it's not strong it goes all the way up to like this medium full but doesn't really kind of go over the cliff right where you know there's some there's some spiciness in Aquitaine. There's some spiciness in the Whiskey Rebellion. There's some depth and some flavor, uh, you know, bombs in in the BA, right? Um, 
you know, and, and again, like you're still talking in between like the seven to twelve dollar kind of price point, right? Which is just, you know, um, you know, and, and and you know, the the things that we do. So if I say, hey, these are going to be our price points, then we've got to fit our our business structure on the back end to make sure because we don't have the margins. Like we don't have the margins built in, um, and and into the you know into the cigars to do you know buy this and get a backpack and get a lighter cutter ashtray whatever like you don't have it in there right so um so you you know you say okay hey i'm putting out a really good cigar at a fair price which is a win to the consumer it's a win to the retailer and it's a win for us because we can produce it and if everything kind of flows through you know i don't have to make gazillions and billions of dollars but i can do enough to kind of feed you know and take care of the people that work for us and do all these other things and so that that's kind of the um, you know, and we only have to sell a million cigars to do it. So we're still the same size that we've been, you know, I think since 2016, you know, so I mean, we, we, I think that's when we finally got over a million cigars imported 2015, 2016, um, over, over a million cigars and, and kind of stayed at that size. And so the, uh, you know, so kind of, you know, um, I think that everything that we make, there's something for somebody in, sure. in, the, in the in the you know so someone's not looking for something as as full and as 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 rich and as strong as Cro-Magnon or Neanderthal, then you know Volstead kind of fits into that. Or if they want something a little even stronger or spicier than that, you got Whiskey Rebellion. You have Aquatine that kind of you know checks that box, right? And if you want somebody who wants to kind of tone it down, I mean, you guys look at the amount of EC you guys sell out of out of Michaels. It's just it's stupid. Like it's just stupid. The amount of brotherly kindness and faith that they sell out of that shop is just, you know, um, you know, so, man. So it, it's a weekly order for you know, yeah, yeah it's a huge so, for us. Yeah, I mean, still is from my understanding. It's is. crazy. Yeah. The, so and then Baca fits somewhere into uh, and Wonderless for that matter. They fit somewhere kind of in the in between too. Uh, giving I I call those like again we keep using the metaphor of curveball, but they're kind of the curveball. I feel like the curveball statements within the whole story um, well so so the wonderless is obviously a european thing that we send over to germany mm -hmm. um and um you know it, it it's you know it has its own little section um and and you know but but essentially when the shoes just said they wanted to kind of uh start selling our cigars in europe you know again your kind of thought process is you know i thought they like smaller cigars and I thought they like mild cigars because they smoke a lot of Cubans, right? Compared to the our portfolio, um, so the Schusters at one point in time had distributed Drew Estate and distributed La Florida Dominicana. Um, obviously, uh, when when Drew Estate had sold to Swisher, you know they that kind of took that off the board. And then La Florida Dominicana, um, you know, either went independent or just kind of throttled back their availability, and I don't know what they really did. And so they were trying to find a kind of a foothold for something um, Nicaraguan. And so Anne-Marie had had came over and said that she wanted to kind of do something. And so we went over to Germany, started working with the Schusters and um, basically remade uh, one of the cigars that they made for for their markets. They make cigars and one of the oldest, uh, you know, late 1800s, they've been making cigars in Germany. And um, so we basically made one of their cigars, put our spin on it and that became Wonderlust. Right. And, and then, um, but, you know, again, the availability of tobacco, just, you know, I would love to sell it in the United States. We just, you know, 
not enough of of the you know basically the the ingredients that you would need to be able to support the brand here doesn't make sense. And we also had done it prior to FDA, and so it wasn't something that we had registered here because we weren't really sure what was going to happen with FDA. Um, so that was kind of a big proponent of why we didn't do it. And then Vodka came along. Um, you know, and Vodka, unfortunately, I think, um, you know, it's a fantastic cigar. I mean, it's, it's basically, you know, I tell people it's like the U.S. version of what Wonderlust would be, right? Except for it's got African Cameroon instead of the, the Brazil Matafina as far as a wrapper is concerned um, and, and different blends, but as far as like profile wise and strength and, and body. Yeah. Um, but it's uh very traditional, what, you know, a traditional, you know, African Cameroon cigar would taste like. Right. And I think, you know, I, I, I guess the best way to kind of explain it is, is as a, you know, you, you could in theory, just kind of keep making the same style of cigars but i think after a while it become derivative of the same kind of cigar that yeah. you're making is cannibalize you yourself know. yeah for sure you can't, you can't yeah so so you want to again and so you don't you don't necessarily sit around and think about you know oh there's this there's this the segment of the market that we're not targeting because if that was the case i'd go into flavored cigars right because i mean that's that's a right. huge um but I, you do look at it and go okay what are you missing in your portfolio that that would make sense that would fit in in this kind of this the story that you're trying to tell right from a from an artistic uh kind of sense as you know um you know someone comes up and say i don't like spicy and i don't like full-bodied and i don't like you know it's like okay well, where do i put them into what i have and then you go you know what i'm kind of i'm kind of missing this one little section um right. as well as you kind of look at it and go that's a that's a wrapper leaf that's a, that's out there. It's available. I would like to play with that. I would like to work with that. I would like to try to see what you can come up with that would make sense, right? And I think that right. that's where, um, you know, the conversation at least starts at, right? Um, you know, because there's only so many. I mean, now that there's a lot more hybrids, right? But there's there's uh you know seven years ago, eight years ago, there weren't nearly as many hybrids that are out there as there are now. Yeah. Um, and, and more are coming. But, Ecuadorian, Honduran, yeah, of Cameroon. Yeah. Right. So, so, uh, so then really what you have is is like, okay, well, there's San Andres, but then there's there's the dark and you got the the claro and you got, you know what I mean? Like you got the color shades and thickness and and thinness. Um, same with broadleaf. And now, you know, obviously now that we're gonna be working in Pennsylvania, um, but realistically you can kind of go through and go, okay, what what what's out there that you haven't got to play with and work with? you know, and, and, um, and does it make sense within your portfolio? So, but, gotcha. uh, but Baca is scheduled to come out and produce you know, assuming we can get um, the, the, the components to make it, um, you know, hopefully we can. It's like, you know, that's the reason why BA has kind of been off the, off, you know, there's just like just like the Pennsylvania, or I'm sorry, just like the U.S. Connecticut broadleaf, there's broadleaf that's out there, but it just doesn't meet the requirements for what what we need. So you don't buy it; doesn't fit; doesn't make sense. Um, uh, there's Arapiraca that's kind of out there, but most of it's already kind of it's 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 cooked, right? And um, we use a natural process, and so doesn't make sense you don't buy it you don't bring it in you don't use it right so you have to you know hey well what else is out there and you kind of start looking at it and go okay 
you know, I can either make more of what I already have, you know, can I sell more if I make more of those? Can I expand on the brand or do I try to fit in something? Um, you know, can I get the components to make these other things that I, you know, so I would absolutely love to expand on Baca. You know, I mean, I, we haven't, you know, the, the, the only two intervals that we've done it um, and, and released it, you know, I would say it's less than three or 400 boxes per each individual size. So it hasn't been like this massive amount of Baca out in, you know, in, in existence. Right. So it could grow. Well, if you want to bring back Otabenga, that'd be fantastic. Cause I love that. So I'm not a big gauge guy and I fucking love the Baca blend and that, mm-hmm. that gauge. That's fantastic stuff that you, you bring about a good point, Mike, before we kind of go into our last few questions of the night, which are, are what I, again, I call our fun segments and stuff, but I, I did want to touch on this because I think it's important. Again, you, we talked about, uh, the quality of the leaf and why it's so important to you guys. And you guys have long stand behind that kind of the mantra and why sometimes you can get Cro-Magnon, why sometimes you can get Aquitaine and sometimes you can't. Um, but, you know, you and, and, and kudos to you guys, because again, you, you mentioned it earlier, there are companies out there that have done that. They've, they've, they've swapped out Pennsylvania for us Connecticut or, or some variation of that kind of change broadly to San Andreas or whatever. And not tell the customer, the retailer, the customer, et cetera, and and just kind of like, you know, smiled all the way to the bank, so to speak, you know, not trying to put too much of a um, conniving tone to it. But I mean, there that it's, you know, there's a lot of uh, I, I give a lot of credit to you guys because you guys were really up, have always been upfront about it. It's been a problem for a while. And, and here we are at the the unfortunate not end necessarily, but a, a, a statement point for you guys that you had to sw- make a switch, but you guys are being transparent. Here, here's my question. And this, this is something you can really help me on because you've, you guys have been a master of, I feel like a master of marketing and branding because we talked a lot about the stories tonight. Why, why call it Cromagnon if it's going to be a, a, a different wrapper? Why not call it Cromagnon Pennsylvania or Intemperance Whiskey? Like, like similar to like Intemperance Whiskey Rebellion or sure. Intemperance Volstead. Why not call well, it Cromagnon Pennsylvania? We actually were going to rename it to you know something completely uh, with like a, with with a, different, with a whole like, new origin like Neand- kind of story, like Neanderthal, but yeah. something different. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. And, and I and I think it's just going to be called Cro-Magnon Pennsylvania. It, okay. Know, I don't. I don't. We haven't. Uh, we haven't finalized on it. I mean, that was actually one of the things that we really kind of wanted to get nailed down while I was in Nicaragua. Uh, kind of ran out of time, and and everything was you know people were just so busy entertaining, you know, because um, after the like the initial wave of consumers come through that do the tour. Then you have all the European distributors come over and they're doing their business for what they have to do. So it's almost like this, you know, two and a half week stretch of on top of what's going on at TPE and all this other stuff. Right. So um, anyway, so, so unfortunately I, um, I think that that's kind of the the game plan for now is, is it will be pro Magna Pennsylvania and it'll okay. be different color, different packaging I and mean, packaging will oh, be the same okay. same. There's some great. different names in the sizes um like for example like black irish will you know this version will be called clovis um oh, you know cool. so i mean so 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 there, there there's some variations that we'll be able to tell so for the consumer side or anybody who still has any kind of inventory left like it'll definitely be different oh, different okay. so that way so that way it is it is recognizable okay uh, it's distinguishable as far as a, a different 
Oh, well, that's wonderful. Yeah, that was the part that confused me. I, I'm and that's and I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad I asked the question, Mike. And I'm glad you guys because I and it it, it was probably just a simply misunderstanding from from uh, from some of y'all's communication. I mean, obviously it was a misunderstanding. I I I had understood it to be like you guys were going to continue to call it Cro-Magnon, but being transparent about the fact that there's been this change, which again I gave you guys credit for. Um, so, so it's going to be completely different. Oh, that's great. That's great. I think that's, I mean, I think that's awesome. Cause I think that'll, well, that'll so, be so, perfect. So the brand, the brand, I mean, here's the, the reality of it is, I mean, Cro-Magnon is what, you know, is like the backbone of what our company is kind of known for. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, no, like that's, that's, that's your initial baby. That's what puts you out there. And the, I mean, you, you, you know, you, yeah. you know, Adrian's Cro-Magnon or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, so, that that name has a lot of weight within to you so um you know and i think that you know um kind of like intemperance volstead like you still know that it's within the intemperance brand this will be cro magnon but it's you know it'll have so it's still within that like even aquatine to us or, yeah. yeah aquatine is still uh cro magnon aquatine so it's still cro magnon but it's the aquatane variant you know or or because it's the same blend different wrapper right like mm-hmm. um where this will be different wrapper and modified blend so it will be it'll be unique in its own way That's so yeah yeah i'm 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 stoked about it. i like pennsylvania um i don't like it when people try to tell me that it's that it's the same as probably because it's not <laughs> um um but i do like it i do like it and when it's blended i, I think it can be blended really uniquely i've i've seen it used in both filler binder and wrapper and i i love i love what it adds to a blend typically uh, in a lot of ways so i'm excited well, here's to see a, what i'll, I'll, I'll ask well, thank you uh, let me ask you this question right because i think you see this come up in wine um a lot so what happens what happens whenever someone comes out with a quote unquote broadleaf cigar, but it it's a hybrid. So it's a mm-hmm. Nicaraguan hybrid or a Dominican hybrid, or it's a whatever. So it's, it's broadleaf seed grown in another region, but they, they, they still tell you that it's, it's us broadleaf because it's us broadleaf seed, but grown in a different region. Should they disclose that? Shouldn't they disclose that? Absolutely. No, other, I think they absolutely should. Right. So, so, so where that comes into question is, so let's say, for example, you're in Paso Robles out in California. Now, I'm not a heavy wine drinker, but I know I've done enough wine cigar events out there in my past that they kind of complain about it. So people out of Napa and Sonoma will come down and they'll buy a, a boatload of grapes from, from uh, Paso Robles, take it back. And then, so whatever the legal limit is, let's call it 49%, 49% of that grape for that wine will be from Paso Robles, but then you know, it's it's kind of finished off either in Sonoma or in Napa, and they'll call it a Napa wine. Yeah. Right. So so in the in the cigar world, you know, I I I think there are, you know, that it should be disclosed, right? right? Like if it's you know if it's U.S. Connecticut out of Connecticut River Valley, then you get to say it's Connecticut River Valley stuff. Yeah. If it's but if it's a if it's a variant grown in some other country then you know that hybrid is a hybrid it's not it's not the same so and and the reason why i bring that up is is because you know we went looked at stuff and and they they swore up and down but then when you do the burn smell stretch elasticity kind of test on it you're like you know it's got this characteristic but it doesn't have that characteristic or it's got these two it doesn't have this one or there's there's something missing and they go, oh you know that's a hybrid say like, okay why don't you just tell it as a hybrid 
like, why don't we start there in the conversation? And so people are selling it off as, you know, something that it's, it's clearly not that it's not. And so, um, again, I go back to the Apple thing. It's like, you know, uh, but in our industry, for some reason, it's like this buyer beware. You got to really know your shit to make sure that you don't, you know, or, and work with people that you trust. Right. So, um, but anyway, so that's, uh, something to see, um, how that unfolds in the future, because I think more and more hybrids are, are, are coming out and, um, you know, but I don't think people are really, you know, disclosing that they're, they're using these hybrids. So, um, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, even, even like, so our, so the Sumatra is an Ecuadorian Sumatra. Like, so, I mean, in the, in the technical term or language that you buy it at, it says that it's a hybrid, right? Because it's not, you know, if it's a, you know, if it's an African seed, but it's grown in Ecuador, then it, it technically is Sumatra. You know, it, it's, uh, um, so, so, I mean, even, even for us, like, I'm like, Hey, that's a, that's a hybrid wrapper, right? So it's not, um, anyways, it's just, so it's one of those things that I, I wonder like how the industry as a whole will start to kind of regulate itself in that situation. Yeah. Anyway, you had another I, question. No, no, that was you kind of answered it. That and I think that that I, I'm I'm excited, Mike. I because that was that was again just my misunderstanding of the communication that's been put out there, and that, that's on me. So, but no, I'm 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 excited because I think that'll be a, a great build onto the brand, and that that allows you guys in a lot of ways to, um, uh, to stay true to your roots, but also give your fans and what they've what, which is. You know, we still live in the what's new, what's new kind of thing. And you guys are able to to do that, but still not stray too far from this 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 visionary path that you guys do. So is, is it is Cro I did actually have another question. So is Cro-Magnon the original, the US broadleaf? I know it's it's is it officially on hiatus? Like it, it will come back if as long as you guys can find the tobacco, or is it is it is it indefinitely suspended? Like what's the I guess the status of it. Yeah. Since. Yeah. I think I, so, um, yes, I think it, I think it would come back. I think if, if the availability for all the materials are, are the same and we can get it. And, and I do think that we're on a pathway for that to actually happen. And I'll explain that in a second, but I think that, um, you know, yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, it's still, it's such a, uh, it's, it's a great cigar. Like said, like yeah, said, yeah, and it, it, and it, it, it's it's and it's not like there's not a demand for that cigar. Now, if people came out and they said, "I absolutely like this blend better than that blend," and and there was a clear, you know, um, I, and I doubt that would happen, but I do think that this blend is good enough to people go, "This is this this equally checks off all the boxes as far as a, a great cigar," right? So, um. Yeah, I mean, I, listen. I think at the end of the day, like if if uh, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? Like that's like you know, yes, I would want to. I think it yes. would be silly of us not to. You know, now the you know the pricing structure on something like that definitely pushes the limits and boundaries of what you know. Again, um, you know, if you say, hey, this is the price that I really want to stay at my my pr price point at even though the market bears, because I go to some states where they have higher taxes that they're selling that cigar much more expensive than what MSRP is because of the state taxes and they're getting it. So uh, from that perspective, you're like, you know, um, meaning, you know, if, if, uh, 
you know, if you're paying 34, $36 a pound and they come out and they say, you know, the new, this wrapper is available, but it's $50 a pound, but it's exactly what you're looking for, you know, but I had to modify the prices on the U S side to, 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 to absorb that cost and people will still buy it. Yeah. I think why not, you know? Um, so it's not just even that, the tobacco, it's the, pro, it's the, it's the economics behind it too. I didn't even think sure. about that, Mike. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, yeah, you might be able to find the the exact broadleaf that you need, but if it costs triple or quadruple what you guys want it to cost in order to keep the price consistent, because you can't have, for all intents, for for brand for brand, um, uh, I guess congruency and consistency, you can't have Cro-Magnon cranium at you know, I'm just shooting a number out there for twenty dollars, and the you know the Aquatane cranium at twelve. Yeah, that, that right. probably doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I get that. That I didn't even think about that. That's a that's a that's a good interesting point too. Well, cool. Well, Mike, I really do appreciate um, tonight's conversation. We have a few more questions to conclude our interview here. It's these are all the fun segments though. But I'm I'm excited about the future of Volstead. Excited about the future of of, of this new Cro-Magnon Pennsylvania, which would whatever it'll be and what you guys come up with. I'm really excited to smoke that, um, and then. Really stoked for the return of Baca because I'm, I'm a huge fan of that blend too. So, um, but that that'll be great stuff. Um, so this will. If kind I of know be... if I know a store that has some on hand, would that help? You want me to text to you? You want me to call them? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, if you, yeah. So absolutely. I was I was I was actually so I think there's there's two. I think uh, Fine Ash in in Arizona has uh, quite a bit of Baca, and so does Al Ear in Arizona. Uh, so Sam and Rosie at Fine Ash and Lenny over at Al Ear have. Oh, uh, beautiful! I want to say, yeah. So I, I was just kind of going through, kind of their their inventories the other day, and so um, so so that's uh, anyways. So that's cool. Hopefully, yeah. everyone calls them and buys it all up. So yep, exactly. So now I'm going to be late to the party because I'll I'll have I'll have to produce the show first and then and then give up a call tomorrow. But our friends in Arizona have some baca for all of our baca fans out there. So uh, don't buy it all. Leave me a box, guys. Seriously. All right. Um, <laughs> but uh, that'll lead us into uh, our final questions for tonight, Mike. And of course, this next one are uh, are brought to you by friends of yours, good friends of yours. Everybody eats, sponsored by Pastania Cigars. If you always make sure that your serving style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Pastania, everybody eats. So there's three questions in this category, Mike. But I always give it. I always change it up each week, and I give a question to my guests. So uh, here we're gonna go with this one. Um, that so. What is the best experience? Because I know you've traveled the world, and I know you and Skip have uh, amazing, uh, exquisite tastes when it comes to a lot of different things. We talked about your bourbon collection and so on and so forth. But what is the, what is your best experience of eating with other people? Where was it? What did you have? Any kind of any kind of details on that meal? Um, I've I've had a lot, so. Um, one of the things that, uh, the, um, sorry, Skip sent me a text message. The, uh, so we were in Amsterdam at, I want to say the W hotel, um, 
in so well not scratch that um so bizarre meets in L in uh vegas in uh 2018 and 2019 was a really cool experience because you know you kind of walk in same kind of style you walk in they have all these kind of different kind of cuts of, of meat and whatever um and and so i want to say the postanya guys were there fable guys were there some atul uh postanya um you know jeff at riverside i mean pretty much every one of our close friends were there and uh so you know i don't know 80 dollar an ounce wagyu cooked on hot stones uh you know cotton candy you know fancy drinks whatever like that was a pretty cool meal um kind of with everyone that you're kind of close to um but probably the best experience food wise was this hotel in amsterdam that uh we got to sit kind of in the kitchen while they prepared our our food in one of the i, I mean just like that. super super um yeah and and i i wish i i could remember the name of the place it'll come to me after the show but um really cool experience um you know and then you know, realistically when i when i traveled when i was in costa rica uh and this is kind of from my my earlier kind of uh life um so i'm a big i i like to to try different foods so it was like hey you grab a plate i'll grab a plate everyone will cut up and then you kind of dissect whatever mm -hmm. uh because you know whenever you're not really familiar with the food or the culture or cuisine or whatever um you know you're ordering off shit you don't even know like you know you don't know you don't know you know it's like i think i know what it is but you know that looks pretty good i'll try it and then uh but then if your food looks better than my food but i want a bite of it you know like um, so in, in Costa Rica, uh, when I traveled around a lot, you know, especially, um, going down into Panama, whatever, I always kind of traveled with a group of four. Um, and, um, so we always would, would, would basically kind of, you know, share food, you know, eat family style, you know nice. what I mean? So, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. But Bizarre Meats, if you ever get a chance to eat a Bizarre Meats, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, it's on my list to try, man. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get out there uh, at some point over the next couple of years uh, while the show it's in is the S mixed. It's in the S. Yeah, it's in the SLS. Uh, so it's actually um, so right across the street from where Las Vegas Convention is at, you cross over um, and uh, they do a fantastic job. That's awesome. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to going to Vegas when it's not like sweltering hot, too. I'm gonna enjoy that experience. Like the high, I was looking at. I keep track of the weather and stuff. I think the high tonight is like 49 or something in Vegas. Shit, that's colder yeah, than it'll it be, is it'll, in Texas. Yeah, it'll be. It'll definitely be jacket weather in the afternoon, even in March. So it's crazy. All right. Well, um, that was all. That was our everybody eat segment sponsored by Fostania Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Pastania. Everybody eats. Uh, now, these are some of your old standby segments here to conclude our night, Mike, but uh, they're actually new to you uh, since the last time you've been on. So this is our next segment. is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be, it can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge so mike this segment is about uh and i'm sure you've had dozens of these experiences over your over the years smoking cigars and everything but you know we live in a very community-based 
you know, industry. You know, we're smoking, you're always smoking cigars around people, whether it's in the factory testing out blends or on a podcast interview with yours truly. You're you're sharing a cigar with somebody. You're always around somebody smoking a cigar and uh, and everything. But every once in a while, uh, you have the opportunity to smoke a cigar alone. And sometimes that could be a private moment of celebration. Sometimes it could be just a moment of reflection or something like that. Maybe some music in the background, maybe reading a book, watching a movie, something like that. Like I said, you've probably had a dozen of these or so in your lifetime. But what's one that comes to mind? It doesn't have to be your necessarily favorite, but what's one a moment like this that comes to mind where nobody was around? It was just you and a cigar. What was the cigar you were smoking? And what was that moment about, if you can remember? Recently or because I anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Open ended um, question. Okay. Um well it's difficult because pretty much like once I get out of the gym and I eat breakfast, I mean I kinda light up a cigar and I kinda really transition from cigar to cigar until I go to bed. So um but one that stands out. Um, oh, I, I just had one actually. Uh, so, so it's funny. Um, so at, there's a hotel called Los Arcos in in uh, Esteli, and it's an older hotel. It's probably one of the oldest in in Esteli, but it's it's almost like this rite of passage that that if someone comes into Esteli and they're going to stay there, um, that they go up to the rooftop. And you have a cigar up on the rooftop. And so um, I think that uh, early in the morning after, so, you know, typically I get up, go for a walk and uh, whatever, and then um, eat some breakfast. I go up there and, and basically kind of, kind of listen to Esteli kind of wake up and kind of get going. And, um, you know, the cigar that I was smoking was a, an intemperance virtue. Um, but it was, it, it was, it's, so one, the city, again, it's, it's grown so much. And, and what I mean by that is, is the amount of people that are, um, you know, the city itself from population has probably shrunk over the last couple of years because of the people kind of, uh, a lot of change in, in migration patterns and other things, but, but there are more people driving. And so listening to all the cars and the buses and, and, you know, kind of just like the, the the town starting to kind of wake up or whatever uh, early morning and just kind of listening to kind of the rumblings while you're kind of up on this patio and you kind of get to see, you know, traffic and people, you know, kind of coming and going is always fun. And um, listening to the church bells kind of go off into the into the distance was, you know, it's just one of those moments where, you know, the reflection point is, is you know, one of just gratitude being present in the moment, you know, being, being, um, present in, you know, kind of all the things that are going on. Right. Like, and, um, it's really, you know, kind of when we started this conversation, right. There's a lot of reflection, you know, as, as, as where you started, where you are at, where you want to go. Right. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's like my 17 year old son that wants to, you know, it's like, I'm like, slow down, you know, like, don't be in a rush. Like, let, things come to you. And I think that that's just kind of what happens as you kind of get older, right? So just be present in the moment. Um, and, and there is this gratitude. I'm grateful that, you know, I've got a partner like Skip that, you know, is, is uh, um, just incredible, you know, person and, you know, 
people say, oh, you know, the attitude on Facebook, whatever, it's like completely different than the person who he actually is. And I think if you've met Skip and you know Skip, you know, you would think completely different, right? Um, but as far as like the way he takes care of the people at the factory and the way he takes care of the people um, that we work with and uh, the vision, um, you know, my family, right? And, you know, being away from, from you know, my, my family while you have to travel or whatever and being grateful that, you know, you have the support system and structure to be able to do the things that we have to do. Um, so I'm on the road a lot, right? And so, um, so the reflection part is really just kind of being, you know, having friends like Mike and Stefan Cabbage and, um, you know, people just being around people that, that want and, and um, that are rooting for you. You know, I think that that's important, right? That want to see you be successful. They want to see you do good things. They want to see, and you want to bring them along with you, right? Like you want everyone to do well. And, and so that's, uh, I mean, this is, this is a really hard business. Like it's hard, you know, it's easy to get on someone's shelves, but it's hard to get people to get bought in. It's hard to get people to understand the vision. It's hard to, especially um, at the size and level that we do it at. Right. So, um, but then to kind of have the staying power that we've had. Um, and, and, and again, like the, 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 we continue to push forward and be creative, but you know, you got guys that weren't in the industry that are now in the industry like Sokka and Nick Malilo and um, Black Label and HBC and even, you know, uh, Postanya and protocol, right. And they're all doing great jobs. Right. And so the variety, you know, there aren't really any bad cigars in the marketplace. The tobacco has gotten so much better over the years. Right. So, um, but getting people to come back to your product over and over and over again, um, and being grateful for that. Right. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, you walk into a humidor, there's 1400 other options that you can go with. Right. So, the fact that people continue to pick up our cigars, you know, so, I mean, there's gratitude in that, you know, I mean, there's, there's, uh, um, so anyway, so just that, that kind of reflection, um, is it, something that I, I continue to just kind of be present in the moment, you know? Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine what that, what that journey's kind of been like for you. Cause again, I, it's not like I've ex something that I've experienced firsthand myself, from my from my perspective, mine's a little different, but similar in the tent in the sense that it's I've been along for the ride. You know, I I, I you know I mentioned earlier, and I've, I've I've noted this several times that I was selling your cigar when they didn't have labels, and um, and if I don't if I could pay, pat myself on the back, I did a damn fine job of it. Um, but it was um, it it's it's so great to see like where again where something starts and where something is not, not ends because it certainly hasn't but where it is currently and and you know in it's in terms of in terms of grand history it, it, we're, we're a blip we're both a blip on the screen but in terms of even in the cigar industry which spans decades if not centuries you know you know and, and i mean this respectfully mike romacraft is a blip on that grand scale too sure. And Absolutely. and but what you've accomplished in that amount of time and where it's grown and where it started, where it is now is insane. Like you said, you started in a back room, opened a factory. Now you have a pre-industry building and, you know, you had, you know, you had two very distinct brands, very, you know, um, with very similar but simple approaches. Now we have these variants of stories, the Baca, the Wonderless, the for a different an entirely different market the Neanderthal. Volstead, et cetera, right? It's, you know, it, 
um, you know, it's been, it's been really cool to watch these stories as they grow and uh, to, to, to paint a point, to paint a, a, a picture back to when you were on this rooftop and you're kind of observing and, and reflecting of this moment and everything. I mean, has it, does it, I mean, would you, um, it's kind of actually, that kind of leads into my last question. So I'm going to let it hang there for a second, but um, I mean, I mean, just how, it's such a cliche question to ask, but I mean, how proud does that make you to see where it started and where it is currently? I know that's such a, that's such a, God, man, that's such a cop-out question, but I mean, it, it, it has to bring about a certain pride in what you oh, I, I think, you know, and, and again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I mean, to, to be, um, to still be recognized in, or in, in conversation pieces of, of, you know, people tipping their cap to you that that you stay true to what you you know what you laid out in the beginning like when skip and i sat down you know in 2011 and we talked about you know what's the company that you want to be what's the identity what's what's uh you know and still stay true to that right to still be part of uh you know the original fabric of of you know because it would be really easy to say you know what this isn't working you know uh you know retailers just want X, Y, and Z and deals, terms and whatever. And consumers just want swag and, and, you know, yada, yada, um, to, to move product, you know, or, or whatever. Um, you know, we got to increase the prices and just be like everybody else. And then, you know, change your whole philosophy of what you want to, you know, put out there and the, at, at the price point that you want to put out there and just say, you know, cop out, um, you know, but yet just kind of staying true to who you are. Right. And understanding what I'm not. Right. I don't I don't have the, the, the million billions of dollars in pockets to compete with, you know, Scandinavia and Altidus and these other groups to to even really be competitive. Right. So I, I couldn't win in that. I couldn't win. And so we've always had this blue ocean strategy kind of mindset of, you know, going into, you know, the these other types of waters and being successful, in these other types of, of arenas. And then, you know, and building from within that. And so, um, and we still, tr that still holds true to today, right? And so the, um, to, to, you know, I can still look back and recognize the Michael Rosales and Skip Martin from 2010, 2011 to today, mm -hmm. right? There's not, there's not, th th there's not this, this massive change and overhaul of company and philosophy because, this didn't work. So we had to pivot and change. We've had to make changes and go, you know, we got to, we got to double down with what we are and who we are to, to make sure that we can continue to progress in the way that we want to. And that's what we've done. And so there's a lot of pride in that. There's a lot of, you know, again, gratitude and it's not, it's not easy. You know what I mean? It's not, um, you know, life, life changes and throws things at you and you've got to be able to have, um, I, I, again, you know, you know, hopefully you're set up in a way to where you can kind of see it coming and you got to make the changes. Right. Um, and so, um, we just talked, we're talking about it off air, right? Like 2023 was a really difficult year, right. End of 2022 and 2023 was, 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 uh, you know, but you sit back and you look at it and you go, man, I'm glad you kind of went through that. Cause now I know like the changes that I had to do, the self-reflection that we've had to do to make sure that, that, you know, me as a person, you as a person, you know, I've done everything the right way. You know, not everyone around you 
may or may not still be there. Right. But I know holistically, like I'm a better person, you know, and I'm going to be okay as long as I can continue to go down the path that I'm on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's, uh, it's critical, you know, and it, and it's, uh, you know, and again, you know, I don't, this, you know, whenever it's your own kind of project, I mean, you, you, um, you know, again, I've got, you know, so much time and money and, and away from family invested in this, right. That, that now, you know, I'm going to continue to work even harder to make sure that it continues to function and work that I think that I know that it will work at, right. you know? And so, so yeah, I'm, I'm really proud. I'm really grateful. And I'm really, uh, I'm excited for, you know, the next, you know, four or five years of what has to come down and, you know, where we'll be at when we're having this conversation and, you know, on the next, you know, evolution of this, this conversation. Right. So for sure. Absolutely. Me, me as well, Mike. So that leads us into our last question of the evening. And I'm so grateful for your time, Mike, as you mentioned, you do spend a lot of time traveling and you, you've been a lot of time on the road. You'd put the kids to bed and, you know, you know, kiss Jamie goodnight and, and came out here and had a conversation with me. So I'm very grateful uh, that you you know took some time away from your family to spend it with me. Um, and, uh, you know, this uh, segment is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Nine, count them up. Now nine consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Sokka. So we talked a lot about how the journeys kind of will come along and how you guys have not sacrificed any of those true principles that you sought out and to, that you kind of placed into the very foundation of what you built in 2011, Mike. But here's a question. I'm going to force an answer out of you on this one because a lot of people like to say, oh, I wouldn't change a thing. But what have you learned or what would you have done differently if you had to start over today? What would you have done differently if you had to start over today? And I'm not going to accept the answer. I wouldn't accept. I wouldn't change anything because, yes. It's all been a learning experience and that's all great. And that's what's got you here today. And I, I, I always accept that answer as the, as the true answer, but if you could do something differently, what would you do them do differently? Well, you have to remember though. So I actually got a chance to get my redo. So when I had Adrian's, I was by myself and Skip and I kind of laid out the foundation of what you would do differently, knowing what I know now trying to start out in 2006 with, with that business and, and, and this business, um, I, I did get the redo. Right. And, and, and I'll, what I'll tell you what I told myself and what I told Skip back then is that someone always has to be at the factory at all times, because the reality of it is no matter, um, Let's say I come to you and I say, hey, you know, I need um, this, you know, a thousand baseball bats, right? And um, you say, okay, I, you know, you make bats and that's what you do. You're great at it or gloves or whatever. And and the, the first, you know, out of the thousand, the first, you know, 350 come out, you know, right weight, right texture, right, whatever. The next batch, you know, is a little off, a little bit heavier, a little thicker, whatever. And then the last whatever is just not quite what you thought it was going to be. Right. And it's, there's something off. You can't really kind of put your finger on it, but it's not, it's not like what, you know, the middle section is not what the number one section. Like there's just some kind of variation in degrees that are always off. And I truly believe that you, you have to be, um, you know, involved at the factory 
which is why Skip is there. Um, I think, you know, in hindsight, I don't think Skip ever thought that he would have to spend as much time there and, and probably didn't really, um, you know, but I, you know, grateful that he has, has chosen to, 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 to be kind of that active and engaged at the factory level. Um, the second thing that, that, uh, that I, you know, is the, the difficulty in, in running a business in, in this industry is that a lot of the major companies can kind of come up to you and say, you know, Hey, I'll bring in this much product, but you got to give me X amount of time to pay this, that, and the other. And so early on, we, we decided um, that, you know, we couldn't do that. You would pay for it. We would ship it, credit card, whatever. So anyway, so these are the things that, that we, I was able to get a chance to do in the redo and the kind of the rebirth of what Romacraft is um, that I still truly believe to this day that I think are things that have to get done, um, okay. that have to be done. Um, so I, I've, I've, I've had that conversation. I've had to be able to do that and kind of implement it into this other thing. Now, as far as Roma is concerned, um, I mean, again, we go back to when we had those initial conversations at that moment in life, I was ready to go back into real estate. So I was in real estate, making good money, went into the cigar stuff and kind of bled myself really dry and thin and, uh, quickly realized like you know i i've got to start getting money at a faster pace to to maintain the lifestyle that i currently had and so uh when skip and i sat down in in, in nicaragua in 2011 um and, and kind of mapped it all out you know he said hey if we do this and we do this you know um we could we can make a really good life for ourselves and so um that that uh now outside of that i think that uh, some of the things that made us really really good as far as being very selective on tobacco using only certain styles of tobacco and textures and thickness kind of put you into a uh, kind of paint you into a corner and and kind of put you in the situation where you can't you know based on what mother nature provides you and what's available now you have to be kind of you you've set the bar so high um, but I wouldn't change that. You know, I think that, um, you know, um, you, you, you know, so, I mean, that, that's something that, you know, you just kind of roll with the punches and have to make do. And that kind of led into these other kind of, uh, variations of cigars that we've been able to make. So that, that's something that, uh, um, so, but like I said, I mean, all the, the redos and, and coulda, woulda, shoulda, and whatever, like I got to do that in the second generation of what Romacraft has become. Well, Mike, I, I'm I'm so grateful for your time tonight. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to speak with you again. I know it's been a long time since we've actually had a one-on-one -on -one conversation, so this was nice. It's just uh, fortunate we get the we get an audience to share along with us too, to watch along the way. But uh, um, do appreciate it as always. So uh, thanks to our audience for always staying up late with us as always. And uh, and if you're checking this out uh, on our YouTube channel, you can always hit the subscribe button if you're, uh, and that would be fantastic. We broadcast live every Sunday night at 9.30 Central from this page, the Facebook page of Los Fumar. So you can check us out there. We have some great guests coming up over the next few weeks as we march on to Take 300 and through the PCA next month. So that'll be fun times. Uh, looking forward to seeing you there, Mike. And uh, 
And if you're checking us out on podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you download, subscribe, and review. If you are a subscriber, hey, do me a favor and hit resubscribe, like unsubscribe, but then hit resubscribe because that really helps my numbers. And that's like the only reason that Mike agreed to be gone tonight was because my numbers were looking good. Not at all. Um, but uh, I do appreciate that, folks. And uh, and uh, leave leave a review, especially if you are going to leave that one-star feedback. you got to tell me why I suck. I mean, I, I think it's just appropriate at that point, and that's okay. I can take good feedback. Um, so but it's all kidding aside. We do appreciate everyone out there. Like, shares, and comments. Keep them coming. Uh, for everybody out there, this was our 280th take. And I'm Barry Duplicity, as always, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. He's Mike Rosales of Roma Crafts back. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.